All right, all right, all right. Happy Monday, everybody. It's Monday already. TGIM. I like that song, by the way. That's a nice one. You know, you know what's funny? We got we got flagged for copyright last week. We've been using it for like I think what like maybe at least eleven episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, now they just copyrighted you. Yeah, they copyrighted us, and I was like, okay, this is bullshit. Um, <laughs> there's no way this is copyrighted because when we when we picked it up, we specifically picked it up because it wasn't copywritten. I had to write an email to Google, to Facebook, to Meta, explaining everything, sending him the link, explaining everything, and then... Did it, you talk to Sergey ultimately? At, to who? Sergey Brin? No, no it's Zook. No. Zook is his contact. Zook is my contact. Ah, yeah. Zook, okay. But, but you know what's the funny thing? Like, when you're flagged for certain things, and you, they know, for example, it's been flagged and it's going to be taken down, they'll respond with a very kind of polite email at the same time, kind of slapping you across the face saying, you know, after further review, you know, our motion still stands and this will continue to be removed and blocked. And like the video just came back up. The audio was back up. Uh, the monetization was back up. Like no, no, no sorry. Monetization. Yeah, not, 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 wait, wait a minute. What are you talking well, about? Well, whose bank account is that monetizing? What are you talking about? Sorry. We, we'll, hey, Facebook, go ahead and cut that part out. But, <laughs> but like no, no sorry for the inconvenience. We made a mistake. You know, nothing. Do they need you? Straight back to business, huh? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Basically, they don't need you. Sound like a work for them, Arno. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, happy Monday, TGIM. It's five o'clock somewhere, and I want to thank uh, Arthur Chivichan for taking time out of his Monday to uh, sit down and converse with us. Absolutely. Uh, shoot the chit. Shoot the chit. <laughs> shoot the chit. <laughs> shoot the chit. Uh, there's a lot we're going to talk about. Obviously, we'll get into you know current events and you know family talk and all that stuff, but. Obviously, before we kind of dive into it, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Because prior to the podcast, you also mentioned something about being a teacher. At- By the way, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Cheers. Thanks for joining. I know, I know, I know. Where are your manners? I know. Thank you for the tequila. Thank you for the tequila, by the way. Anytime. We really, really appreciate it. I'll enjoy it out of Armenian Arat cups. I'll be sniffing it. That's what we're having for you curious boys and girls out there. 1942. It's 1942. Uh, I think John ago. was born right around 1942. 1842. 1842. 1842. 1842. Sorry. I, I, what's an 8-9 year there? Yeah, remember, John, is, John was... John was Abraham Lincoln's uh, <laughs> campaign manager. <laughs> Oh, yes, social media <laughs> back in the day. Uh, he no wrote his speeches too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. that's why there was, was so many grammatical errors. Yeah, he was protesting during the, de- during the Declaration of Independence as well. When they wrote the Constitution, he was there protesting it. He wanted socialism at the time, even though it, oh, didn't, no. it wasn't around. He wanted. He wanted. That word. Uh, we'll get into socialism as well. <laughs> so, t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, I mentioned I teach at USC. I got in there about five years ago. Uh, they first put me in to do self-defense. Uh, but my whole idea, my goal was, uh, because I don't agree with a lot of the education system nowadays, that I just wanted to kind of, and I say this in a positive way, I wanted to infiltrate the system almost. So I got my foot in the door teaching self-defense. I took over the basketball program after that. Um, and then I started teaching leadership principles after that. And now I teach crisis management. So I'm kind of moving in the labyrinth of sorts in the education field so that Eventually, I'll be there long enough where I could bring my own people in who share the same belief system and same ideology for 
an alternative education because I feel like we do need a dis- disruption in that sense um, from our youth ages to you know young adults to college and everything. So yeah, it's been my uh, fifth year. In August, we'll start our fall semester, and it'll be my start of my fifth year pretty much. So uh, time flies. Even at a private university like USC, it's still kind of the yeah. ideology is a little bit skewed. Yeah, it's it's not going to be as bad as let's say uh, UC UCLA? Berkeley or yeah, UCLA is pretty bad. Right Did you guys now, remember what JJ had posted from UCLA? Oh, the <laughs> tampons in the boys' restroom. What? Did, did anyone figure that shit out yet? I've, how does that make sense? I figure out as in how to use it, or <laughs> what's the <laughs> point? What's the reasoning behind it? Who's going to use inclusiveness? That? It's just a waste of money in the bathroom. They have to do it so that. They re- the re- students that are coming in are like, oh, look, they have it. You know, it's cool. This is what I'm paying 40 grand for. So, yeah, what's they, a man going to do with that? Though? Uh, it's it's easy, bro. It it's easy. They basically, they basically <laughs> they remove the condom ones, the condom vending machines, and they put in the tampon <laughs> vending machines. You remember those at GCC, don't yeah, you? Yeah, those, yeah, definitely. They had yeah. it at GCC. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You'd go into the guy's, lo- into the guy's bathroom. bathroom. Every yeah. bathroom had it. Put the cord in and pull it and then drop. What, drop. Was, it, what was it, a club or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never know what goes on, man. <laughs> hey, promoting safe sex, man. Yep. But now they're, they're, now, now they're now, promoting no sex. Now they're promoting <laughs> none. Here's a tampon. Go now they're promoting Whoa. safe menstruation. <laughs> Look at our population. I mean, look at our uh, birth rates nowadays. Even Elon Gosh Musk tweeted Lord, about man. it. It's down the drain. So, yeah. But Elon's uh, helping the situation, man. I heard the guy's like, what, eight kids? Yeah, he just had another. How many scared. topics did we just I know, yeah, literally a lot. <laughs> well, that's a wrap. Talk, talking about shooting <laughs> the shit. <laughs> Exactly what happened, right? Yeah, 45 seconds into, we discussed his background, tampons, and condoms. socialism, condoms, safe USC, sex, USC, UCLA, indoctrination, Twitter. It's the best. And, well, uh, uh, final thought, guys, interest rates. Are <laughs> and I'm going partying like with Hunter tomorrow night. Oh, jeez. Oh. Saw that so, recent video. <laughs> so when you say you teach self-defense at USC, yep. are you teaching the students or the uh, professors? or what? No, I'm teaching the students. So it's the a one-unit elective. Uh, and uh, I have an intro class to it, which is like basic fundamentals, learning how to punch, kick, fall, what to do if someone grabs you from the back. And then I have a more advanced level of it where you learn situational awareness, you learn spatial awareness, you learn, you know, uh, flight of flight and, you know, what you could do in those situations. So... Um, it's an, it's, it's an elective course, so anyone could take it. So I have PhD students, graduate students. I have students who are, you know, mechanical engineering and, you know, and I think it's a, it's a class that should be mandatory for kids as, as long as they're, you know, in school, because self-defense should be just as important as these other classes that you get. Cause especially nowadays in this world that we live in, uh, you never know what happens. So if you can learn how to protect yourself, you know, you don't have to be savage. You don't have to be a pro fighter. Not, that's not the idea. Just, just gotta be fast and run and away for, real quick. <laughs> yeah, or, or just learning preventative methods at the very least, you know. So. And for those who don't know who you are, mm-hmm. aside from you teaching at USC, mm-hmm. what qualifies you to be a self-defense? So instructor? I started training. Um, so for those of you who don't know, based off of the last name, uh, my dad's Gokor Chivichin, basically. Uh, he's obviously MMA Hall of Famer. Judo God. Ju- judo God, yeah, <laughs> grappling God, uh, you know, leg lock specialist, submission yeah. specialist. Um, I started training when I was four years old, so I, you know, got into at the highest of levels in the Olympic level, the World Championship levels. Um, I hadn't, I haven't fought since COVID, but uh, my base was in judo and grappling, uh, same as my, my my dad's, and I basically turned the equivalent to pro in judo uh, when I was 17. Uh, that's when my dad finally gave me my black belt. I see kids walk around with 12, they're 12, 13 year olds with their black belts. I'm like, Shh, man. 
17 years old, my dad barely was like, yeah, I think I think I could give you one right now. So I just... Son, you have learned much. Yes. You have much to learn. It's like those movies, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how he was. I mean, I, I would win the major championships. I would win the Pan Ams. I would win the International Cup, the World Cup and stuff. And he would be like, yeah, okay, but you, look, this is what you have to work right on. Right looks nice on you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> goes with your eyes. <laughs> so um, that's my background. I mean, I've done uh, MMA on and off too, and I, I constantly do it with a lot of our fighters and, and, and stuff. So... It's just something that I basically grew up with. Martial arts is 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 my life in a sense. So I've I've kind of who I am as a person nowadays because of martial arts. So, um, you know, I when USC had the opportunity, they basically contacted my dad and said, "Hey, you know, they got through my dad first. I don't know how, but they said, hey, we would love for your son to be a teacher here.' So that's kind of how it happened. So, and um, you know, I wouldn't be teaching there if I wasn't qualified. I wouldn't be doing anything that, you know, I, I'm not supposed to do if I'm not, you know, right qualified to do. So um, that's how I kind of got it, you know, and. I'm keeping my I, I try to stay humble about myself and whatnot. So but, you know, I've had to give numbers. I've won the national championship, you know, six times. I've won the senior nav- national championships four times, uh, junior Olympics. Um, I was ranked first in the U.S. for five years straight. Um, just recently, I found out I have a Wikipedia. So thank you, whoever did that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just go check on it. Though. Yeah, sure I know. I do. I do. Actually, because sure I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. there was a few mistakes on there already. And I'm just like, please <laughs> fix but I don't know who I don't know who does that how it does it happens. But so you um, you started at four, yeah. Um, and uh, but 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 in general, what what what's the recommendation as far as when should kids start? We, martial we recommend arts? kids start either depending on the maturity level around four or five years old is a good time, but more or less five. <clears throat> um, and we usually recommend recommend them to start wrestling base. So meaning like judo, grappling, jujitsu. Um, it's safest for them. And um, they they get naturally strong. They become more functional. They become flexible. Um, and it's one of the best martial arts for, for kids to do. So a lot of times when, when people bring, uh, when parents bring their kids to our gym, um, we'll look at, we'll kind of just do a little bit of a, almost like a consultation a little bit with the kid. We'll talk to the kid. Um, we'll see if they're mature enough. We'll see if they're listening or if they're crying, if they're shy and whatnot. And then uh, we'll give them a recommendation. Say, hey, I think, you know, you should do judo with so-and-so this many days a week and usually how it begins. And, and our school's been uh, best judo school in the past like 10, 11 years in, in California and regionally and, and nationally. So um, I'm, I'm very confident in our instructors and obviously the way my dad runs the business, then we're, we're one of the best out there. So we do it the right way. And if the kid's not ready yet, my dad will say, hey, you should bring him in six months, eight months, yeah. a year, whatever it is, and go from there. Because I've, I've thought about taking my daughter. And, she's you know, four and a half. She's right? four and a half. She's turning five in October. <clears throat> and you know, my wife and I were talking about it, and I was like, "Hey, how do you feel about you know taking Eileen to martial arts?" And I was like, "Whether it's jujitsu, wrestling, like you said, mm-hmm. judo, sambos, anything like that, where you know she doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be karate or kung fu or any of those uh, striking um, uh, martial arts. Something where you know she could get the fundamentals down as far as grappling." And she was like, no, I want to take her. I, I really want to take her. You know, being a girl, I want her to be able to protect herself. So mm-hmm. stop being sexist, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you guys, uh, I'm, I'm assuming you guys take in girls as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if they we, don't, we she can just an- identify as a she boy. Has, all she hey, has to say, I'm a boy. Listen, stop insulting my family. <laughs> We're like, what, how many minutes into the show already? You're I'm, not, I'm not insulting them. just want you to think outside the box. I don't, I don't, I don't want to think outside the box. <laughs> I want to be inside. You want to stay in the box? I want to stay in my box. Number okay. one bullshit guy. <laughs> Are we doing accent now? As far as, you know, starting kids, uh, starting kids off, uh, 
guy to girl ratios that you guys have mm-hmm. how, how does that how does that how does that pan uh, for, for obviously for the viewers that want to have their kids start off? We we will have more boys in our classes uh, than girls. That's always been historically. That's just kind of how it's been uh, through martial arts. Uh, lately, though, there's been an influx of, of little girls that are coming in training. And believe it or not, they actually mature and learn a little bit faster. So an average eight year old girl will beat up an average eight year old boy. Um, really? Yeah, they're just bigger. They're str- they're stronger at an early age. They mature faster. Now, not that's not always every in every case, but. Um, We've had girls who were just monsters back in the day, and and, and um, you know, and Rhonda was one of them with my dad. So, and um, in jujitsu and judo specifically, we've seen an influx of, of a lot of, of of girls who are starting to train since they're four or five years old. Yeah, and um, and not just our gym, but other jujitsu gyms locally. I mean, yeah. you guys are right across one over here right now, and um, and it's something that makes me proud. Honestly, it doesn't matter if it's ours or someone else's gym. I think girls and boys should be able to train and. And learn how to protect themselves in martial arts, and and kind of going back to how I was raised, I think martial arts teaches you so much other outside of just learning how to protect yourself. It's just can't say like that life lessons actually. back and forth. It, it, it's funny, <laughs> boys it, and girls. How about the oh, other yeah, seventy-two, uh, bro? Oh, hybrid aliens. <laughs> See, it's it's funny when he, <laughs> look at look at how obvious this is. He was saying eight-year-old girls are keeping up, if not beating eight-year-old mm-hmm. boys, right? And then. Human nature takes its course. Puberty takes its course. Yep. And what happens? The human anatomy proves yeah, that, you know what? M- men become physically stronger. stronger bone structure, muscle density, everything changes. But, you know, un- unfortunately, some of society thinks the opposite <laughs> of that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> up to fourth up grade, always, you see the girls are taller, taller. and stronger than the girls. In my boys. case, it was like seventh, eighth. I was always jealous because there's always one girl who's taller than me. All the yearbook pictures, I was on my toes like this, and I'm just like, she's still winning. <laughs> like, yeah, but she's the same height now. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, and you're same a tall exact guy, height, and I'm a taller guy. Yeah, and I have passed her, so I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, w- w- for example, I um, I took my son who just turned four, mm-hmm. uh, and to jujitsu for about I want to say about three months, mm-hmm. three months or so. He went. <clears throat> then he he doesn't want to go right now. Right. So what do you do with that happens in that case? Do you just give them some, let's say, a couple months off and then reintroduce it again? Or yeah, so w- w- that happens quite often. Um, kids will come in, they get intimidated, especially at that age. Um, so the best thing to do at that point is either give them some time to get a little bit older. Um, what we do is sometimes we'll bring the parent will come with the kid and we'll sit and watch maybe two or three, four classes. Sometimes even more than that, just so the kid could kind of acquaint himself to it. Yeah. Um, and be like, okay, wait, this is something that I could do in the future. He sees, you know, it's also depends on how it's being being taught. So, like, four-year-olds have to be taught very differently from how an eight-year-old has to be taught, how a 12-year-old mm-hmm. has to be taught, and how an adult has to be taught. So, um, if they're completely against that side and they just don't want to come, they're crying, they're throwing fits and whatnot, we always suggest them to do other sports, other hobbies. Um, swimming is one that we like because it just naturally, you know, functionally makes you stronger, more lean, uh, more flexible, um, low impact on the body. Uh, other, anything, anything that could kind of get them into that socialization aspect of it, right. being around other kids and, and different voices and coaches and stuff like that. And then when they're five, when they're six, when they're seven, you bring them back. We've had kids who, at first, they were just neglecting the fact that they want to do anything martial arts-wise, crying, literally just that toddler defense system where they're just throwing themselves on the ground and the parents are just dragging them along. Then they came back two years after, and they're one of our best kids. Um, I, I so think at that age, what I've been seeing, experiencing is, I mean, they don't want to do anything but play. Yeah. Right? 
So that's the thing. The first few months, it was great. I didn't have to drag him there. Mm-hmm. But the last couple of times, he made excuses not to go. And I was like, okay, let me, maybe let's take some time off. And, yeah. and then we'll, we'll reintroduce it again. But, um, but again. Uh, What's his reaction <coughs> to it when you, when you take him? Is it more of like him clinging to you or is it? Well, the, the, I think there were a couple of factors. One was the timing was at 3.30 p.m. So mm-hmm. tired, kind, kind of, of tired, tired already. You know, he'll, some days he'll take a nap around 2 o'clock, 2.30, 3 o'clock. So the timing was not Yeah, uh, That's ideal. pretty early. Um, and then uh, the, the last time when I took him there, he just made an excuse, started crying about something. I think it was about the water bottle or something. <laughs> Completely relevant, and I was like, okay, you know, just let's let's take a couple months off. Call it a day. <coughs> yeah, yep. we'll we'll go race car driving, and then we'll bring you back in a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the reward system is good for kids that age too. I always tell parents like, if they do four or five classes very well, then see if you could reward them with something. Now, it doesn't mean get them gifts and shoes and all this yeah. kind of stuff, but uh, different kinds. You know, parents could choose what they want to do at that point, um, but. Um, you know, there's parents who are persistent with the whole situation. They won't really care what their their kids are doing, and then eventually the kids get used to that. Um, and there's parents, like I said, who will listen to advice or whatnot and maybe be persistent, but also maybe take them to different things and different hobbies and whatnot and just kind of see what works for the kid, you know. I, I think if they're a little bit older, then it's okay to be more persistent. Yeah. But at three and a half, four years old, if you... I don't That's just my they're opinion. Young. If it's you young. push them, you force them too much, then they're, they're going to completely... Hate anything. Check out. Yeah, completely yeah. check out. It's with, it's with every sport. I mean, yeah. you from soccer to basketball. Yeah. I mean, there's parents who are adamant about their kids playing that particular sport. Mm-hmm. Like even my uh, my younger cousins, when I'll go watch their <laughs> soccer games. There are kids there that you you knew this kid is not going to be a soccer player. Yep, you yep. knew. Flat feet. They weren't even watching the Bro, game. The, the, ball, <laughs> the balls. Yeah. Like you just, you just knew. But the parents were at, and the kid, the parents would yell at the kid. It's like. Yeah, just completely emotionally damage your child right on the soccer field in front of <laughs> right. complete emotional <laughs> damage. Complete strangers, you know, emotional like yeah, I, I, yeah, I know you, you know me. Yeah, destroy your child right in front of me. No worries. <laughs> but it's like okay, if the kid doesn't like that, take like you just said, take them to something else. Maybe you'll bring them back to that. Maybe if the, and if they don't like it, then you know that okay, you know what? No, this isn't made for that. I kid. got a trick for you guys. You take them. They don't like it. You take them to chess. A month later, we're right <laughs> back. Dad, take me back to judo. <laughs> Please. Exactly. I want to move. Please. Well, but chess is great. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's a good <laughs> mental strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Sure. But you at know, the same time. Another big issue them. nowadays is is technology. These kids, oh. I mean, I, I yell at kids so many times, and I'm a very patient person. I don't yell very often. And I always tell kids, like, even in my in my work, um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a drill sergeant. I'm an educational leader. I'm, I'm a person that will kind of talk you through things. One thing I do yell at kids at is when they come to the gym, and I yell at the parents too. I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're dropping off their kids with their gigantic iPods and like some other stuff, and these kids are just like in there. I have six-year-olds who are wearing Coke-sized glasses right now. They're just in their iPods already. It's just the wrong thing to do, and these kids get you know, kind of like morphed into these things, and yeah. they're playing games, and then you tell them, let's go. And their attention is not there. What are you going to teach there. them? And their attention. energy is drained, man. These phones and stuff are yeah. energy vampires. I mean, these kids' screen time is like 12 hours, 10 hours, 11 hours, 6, 7 years old. If you take 100 kids, you give them the option, 6, 7, 8, even 10-year-olds, you could either play on your iPad or go to grappling or basketball or swimming. What are they going to choose? iPad. Nobody's going to say, no, I'll just put that away. It's time for grappling. Unless they're like... <laughs> 
that kid from Iran. Have you seen that soccer player in Iran? Yeah, man, the five, six-year-old that plays like Messi combined with Ronaldo. Maradona <laughs> combined with. You, in, mean, in today's world, you can say it. it's like Messi and Ronaldo had a kid together. Ed, we're offending some people. We already had a couple of warnings. That you guys always make fun of the... <laughs> That's exactly why you tune into the Wise Nuts instead of watching what what's out there now. Is, is the, view the view is, is gone. The, is the view like, I think we out survived all these. The view, the view canceled? No, no. Are you kidding? No, me? Just, no one watches it. It's there. Oh. It's like CNN. It's there, but who watches it? Uh, Levy earlier was asking about. She, he has two daughters. He was asking about Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. What your opinion is about Taekwondo versus grappling? Um. I mean, I'm 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 very honest with you guys, and that's the whole point of this, right? Shoot the chit, like you said. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, it's not one of my favorite martial arts, uh, yeah. primarily because it has has limitations. Um, a lot of kids, you know, especially depending on the school that you go to for Taekwondo, a lot of these Taekwondo schools are not that traditional martial art that it should be. It's it's a kind of like a show and go kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So they do all these hiyas and these little stationary kicks and shows and yeah. least punches and all that. Is that the no contact karate? Is that uh, what it is? I mean, Taekwondo, they mostly utilize kicks. Um, yeah. And and the stance, the Taekwondo stance, in my opinion, I might offend some people saying this, but it's not very self-defense no. uh, regulated. Like, you know, yeah. all the hopping. If I, Me as a fighter, if take I see out, a Taekwondo guy the, in front of me, oh, it's easy. Name it's easy. me one Taekwondo guy that's been a UFC champion. But I don't even know any UFC. Nah, ev almost every champion, if not all, have always had a... A wrestling foundation. I'm a no violence guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the, there was one guy who revolutionized it. Machida. Was Machida. Machida yeah. was the first karate, karate yeah. champion. Again, but they it took two title defenses to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. The whole the distance and you know being able to take the legs out and then take them down and then the rest was yeah. Just, and he had that unique stance um, that was little tricky to fight right. with but that, he had that twist right that yes thing. and then what the thing with machida is once he started getting older uh his, his, his reaction speed slowed down a little bit his yeah. footwork slowed down and he was easier to catch you know so i always tell parents like if you if, if you know a lot of parents come in and they have nine ten year olds and they're like i want them to do martial arts i want them to be the next ufc champion i'm just like okay sure um <laughs> no problem yes but champion. this is what our <laughs> this is my know, next corner right here it's 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 like how our, you know a lot of kids you know a lot of parents wanted their kids to be in the nba they just think it's like I want him to be NBA, so he's going to be in the NBA, you know. But that's not the case. But yeah, you, you check. Just, uh, isn't there like a check mark on the application? Yeah, that's, that's how they NBA get NBA drill. That's how. Yeah, it is. So you just took this conversation <laughs> to an NBA? No, 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 not yet. But <laughs> my, my, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Don't we'll we. get there. But my point is, is you know, when parents do that, I, I tell them, okay, so if we're weighing in different martial arts and what they should start with, uh, combat like wrestling based uh, martial arts would be the go to. So grappling, judo, wrestling. Uh, jiu-jitsu would be the best start for kids if that's what they want to do in the future. But it's not always about, you know, reaching that 1% yeah. UFC and Bellator and whatnot. It's, it's, no, it's different all. competitions and just being in shape, you know, learning the principles and going from there. But that would be my suggestion if they're kids starting out in martial arts. Um, I wouldn't necessarily avoid Taekwondo and stuff. It's always good to add striking, but if you're going to add striking, boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai is definitely the go-to oh, over, uh, over karate Absolutely. and Taekwondo. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, see, that's... And parents sometimes want to raise this perfect child that you know that's going to win championships and be number one and you know i mean good for you we're six-time national champion and uh four-time senior it helped with my dad yeah <laughs> but <laughs> good coach. See, yeah exactly you 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 were born into that yeah for me if my i have two boys mm -hmm. if they they win something locally that's great but it's more so about that 
self-confidence, the discipline. It's not Absolutely. about it's not necessarily about for them to become a UFC fighter. It's about I think martial arts gives you that confidence that just the the physical strength that you need just to feel good about yourself, right? 100%. And if you can but any sport, <clears throat> I mean any sport if you show up during the training, well, however many days it is, three, four times a week, that, again, gives you the discipline to do better in school, to be competitive in life, right, to be able to succeed in life. I mean, you're setting a great foundation when you do this. That, that's, I, I think that's what parents need to focus on rather than I want my kid to be the next whoever, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, George St. Pierre. You don't need to go there. If, if your child has that natural ability to train, Eight hours a day, then then we can talk about. That. You'll you'll <laughs> yeah. know right? it. You'll know it, <laughs> and you'll it see it. Yeah. Yes. Right away. How many? There's kids that have the gift, bro. Like it's very not, easily trainable. It's not about just the gift. I mean, Arthur can, I'm sure, vouch for it. It had. How many kids want to train six eight hours a day? Not many. Maybe one in a thousand. If yep. that. Yeah. If that. Right. Yeah. The the the, the commitment it takes up with it. The die. Remember even. For example, Steven, the race car driver. We oh, had, yeah. Right? That you have to age. devote your life to it. He you had do. to work out. People probably look at him, oh, he's a race car driver. He sits in the car and drives <laughs> just like I drive on the 405. No. The kid goes to the gym, has to physically train. Yep. He has to train every so part of his body. His f- diet. For a race car driver. And he was on a diet at the age of... 16, party. 17. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many, how many 17-year-olds don't want to go out and not be able to have pizza oh yeah bro yeah. remember we talked about it with him. We, we would tell him we we're like okay so alcohol is not even a, not even in the fa- you know in, well, the, in the menu old so it's like right? okay you're 17 years old your friends want to go out hey we want to go have some in and out some ice cream some this and that and all of a sudden you're like oh shit i got a race in about two weeks i can't have this i'm on a strict diet you know how hard mentally it is to kind of set yourself up to not eat that like bro at the office the other day, they brought cookies. And I'm like staring at them. I'm like, I'm making myself a coffee. Let me stuff my face. With Are you on a diet? <laughs> I'm trying, man. I've been a month and literally two, about a month and a, a week of no, no alcohol. alcohol. So I'm just sniffing it. But he it's, did, it's, Because it's, he doesn't <laughs> think wine is alcohol. So he's had <laughs> I've had wine. Uh, but it's it's so hard to just is there mentally, alcohol in wine? mentally prepare yourself for it, man. Uh I'll <laughs> just ask you, is there alcohol bro. in that wine or no? There is. There is. I said hard, hard liquor. No hard liquor. You said alcohol. You said alcohol. All right. I had like one or two glasses of wine throughout this entire I month, like this bro. intervention. Yeah. <laughs> it was alcohol. Were you wearing a tampon while you had the glass of no, wine? No, no, no. Tampon no, in your no. left pad, nose pad. or right nose? <laughs> I, was wearing a, I was wearing a pad. It was, <laughs> was it heavy, heavy days? Heavy, heavy duty. Heavy, heavy duty. duty. It, was, it was the one that... Uh, uh, grandmas and grandpas wear because you know diapers. <laughs> yeah, pull, pull-ups. <laughs> but uh, you sound like Hunter Biden now. Oh jeez, <laughs> don't, don't get me started so on that. Guy. We're going partying. But yeah, what were we saying, man? <laughs> Completely about the discipline of yeah, you know I, diet and mar- commitment. That's exactly. You hit the point. Martial arts is that in a sense. Um, kids learn discipline. Kids learn to have willpower. Kids learn to they learn from their failures. Like when I was a kid and I would lose a tournament, naturally it was just ingrained in me. Now. It's not always like that for every kid, but for me, for example, it was. And if it's not in, inside of you, the coach is supposed to bring that out. The parents are supposed to bring it out. If I would ever lose as a kid, which is very rare, by the way, um, I would Excuse naturally... Us. <laughs> <laughs> talking about being humble, right? I would naturally go train harder. Yeah. I would go run outside. Um, 
I would do, I would, I would you know, instead of 100 push-ups, I would do 300 push-ups or whatever the case was. But that was just inside of me. It's just I wanted to prove myself that I could be better. So, like, you learn from failures so much when you're in martial arts that it, it stays in you. It kind of gets what engraved in you. What age did you develop that, though? Uh, that competitive that I need to win. So, the drive, yeah. so the I, drive. I had a competitive drive maybe starting at 7 and 8. Um, I wanted to make kids cry. That was my thing. Uh, I wanted to fight and, and beat every kid that I would fight. Um, and it wasn't that my dad was teaching me, oh, you should, you know, make them cry and whatnot. No, I just I just wanted to be the best at that age. And normally in every sport, and I, I'm glad you brought bring that up, um, I do, I have, an, I have an eye for to be a scout for, like, sports in, in general, specifically MMA. And you guys have kind of brought it up already in a sense. You could tell when kids have a natural talent at around seven or eight. In yeah. any sport, by the in, way. In, in, in most sports. Now, that doesn't mean they can't become great in the future. But it just means that if you if this kid is focused, if this kid has the right kind of parenting and, and, and they do the right way, they do things that are correct, that kid could be super elite. Now, again, that's one out of a 1,000 type of kid, though. So you're right. not going to always see that. And let's say 90% of our kids at the gym, they're, pro, they're not going to be fighting pro and whatnot. But there is a select few that I could just pinpoint and be like, damn, if this kid continues onto this path. And kids that are 9, 10 years old that are training six hours a day. Uh, they go to school it's and they not just only come to the, the kid. Gym. Now you got to worry if the parent is willing to put in that yes, work. Yes, that's well. just as important, that's if just not more important. important. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, the, the, oh, I see parents these days. You pretty drop much drop off and bounce. No, no, no. Like morning, you got to drop them off at six a.m. to this class, and then you know drive them to Temecula for a soccer game, and then drive them to Oxnard for. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, once your, once your parent, once your kids get into this, you you pretty much your weekends are done. You know, you're taking them to right judo tournaments and so on and so yeah. forth. Or whatever. It's, it's, it's a full time commitment. It's a full time commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, we have kids. We have parents that do that in our in my gym and in my institute. Parents who are basically Uber Uber drivers. Yeah, um, that's hey, exactly. I, I just brought him from this gym. He's gonna work out here. He's gonna be with you for three hours, and I have to take him to basketball after this. And it's okay to mix and match a little bit, Man, but bro. as they get older, kind of how we do my brother, it has to be one or the other. You, you know, can't do it. I also notice martial arts people in martial arts play other sports mm-hmm. naturally Better. without yeah. practicing. Yeah, how that works? It's the balance. I feel like balance has a lot to do. You're, but you're, you know, kids who start martial arts at a young age naturally they they become stronger. Remember, they're resistance training for an hour, two hours. And it's not because they're pulling bands and whatnot. It's because you're carrying people your weight. You're dragging people. You're pulling, pushing people your weight. So you naturally become you know, stronger. The discipline aspect helps a lot. And then another thing that helps with it is, is just the extra things that you have to do as a martial artist. The, the side exercises, the push-ups, the sit-ups. Um, there's so many a, just, avenues. Just the warm-up itself, man. Yeah. Hand-eye coordination, reaction speed. People don't realize a lot of martial artists have the craziest hand-eye coordination speeds. Um, and that's because you kind of have to see and read and react. And I, I, I compared, for example, judo to a chess match. Um, the highest level of judo, if you guys watch tournaments and whatnot, you're, all you're trying to do is try to catch someone else's mistake. So it's, it's a mental sport just as much. So that's why a lot of kids could transition to other sports, football, um, you know, soccer, basketball. And, you know, that was my case. I was... I kind of poke fun at my brother. I, I told my brother I'm a better athlete than he is. He's just a much, much better basketball player than I am. So, <laughs> and I think he would agree. He's never trained MMA? No, he has. So he, he trained until about 12, 13, and then had a hiatus because basketball was getting intense because yeah. he was all over the place for basketball. He went to Bishop Albany. And then around 16, 17, he did it again, and he was great. Um, if he continued doing martial arts, he would have been, um, I think, a better ground fighter, a grappler than I would. Um, cause that's where he was good at. He was great at boxing. He was good at footwork. 
Um, but then, you know, as parents and, and as his manager, so to speak, we didn't want him to do what I was doing. Um, I was doing multiple sports and I was, you know, I was good at all of them, but it, it just became too much. And so we just, you know, the biggest thing was that we had to talk to my dad and say, hey, look, he can't do martial arts anymore. I think he has a better future in basketball. And we shut off mar martial arts at that time at 17. Um, and it was just pure, strictly basketball after that. So what was your dad's reaction to that? Uh, he was pissed. I mean, but he's he, um, kind of like how we spoke with my dad before he was understanding. But, you know, he was I mean, for him, basketball was five people. I mean, 10 people chasing a ball. Um, it still kind of is to this day. He's like, what is going on over here? It's like 10 people chasing the ball. But but now he understands the game more. Yeah. Obviously, he's biggest, one of the biggest supporters of my brother. So um, that's just kind of how it was. Like, my, my dad can't stand a lot of sports. Like, he can't watch football. Um, he'll watch soccer. That's basically because he's from Armenia. So that's, yeah. that kind of was, you know, engraved when he was a child. Um, but for him, individual sports rules the world. So uh, he was pissed. He was mad, but... But teams-wise, Armenians were better at individual sports. Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Team sports is just <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a thing, bro. <laughs> yeah. We got a super chat. Uh, uh, Arno's asking questions. Yeah, Arno, thanks for the uh, $10 super chat. Um, he says, what's better, Sambo or Jiu-Jitsu? When Habib was asked, he said he recommends Sambo over <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu for kids. That's a great question, Arno. Um, so so there, he, he, I don't know the exact verbiage of the word, but it says if, if it was easy, I would do Jiu-Jitsu. And then Sambo is like ruling over here. Um, I come from a biased background, obviously, in the sense that I'm a Sambo judo guy. I think, though, let's kick, kick the bias out. Um, and, and me speak as a professional martial artist. I think both are equally important. However, if I was, if I was a parent and I'm going to put my kid into one thing or another, I'm starting off in Sambo. Because, Sambo huh? Yes, because Sambo and judo, for example, who are very much alike, you start standing up. And then you go to the ground and you can work on the ground. Jiu-Jitsu, the reason why it became so popular, especially with, with, with girls and the older population, is because it's safer. It's mostly on the ground. They don't, a lot of places don't teach stand-up. They don't teach a lot of takedowns and whatnot. And if there is a Jiu-Jitsu school that really does that mix, then that's great. But 90% of them don't. So I think Sambo is better because all fights start on your, on, on your feet. And if you could learn how to do takedowns, if you could learn how to prevent takedowns, your hips, naturally, your balance becomes so much better. Um, and then on and, and Sambo has groundwork too. It has leg locks. Um, you know, it has the control. It has the wrestling aspects of it where you lay on someone. Um, I think Sambo and judo is just naturally better for for, for kids in that sense. Um, but however, with that being said, finding a Sambo school in in the U.S. is virtually Very impossible. Yeah. Um, the best thing to do is find a good judo school that incorporates a Sambo. And I'm not trying to boost us, but that's what we do because because uh, of my dad's background. Please call. <laughs> what is, but what is the difference between sambo and judo? I thought it's just it's pretty much the same. It's pretty much the One same. Judo in judo, you're not allowed to do leg locks, and and uh, but you're allowed to do chokes, and that's the opposite for sambo. The uniforms are different. In uh, sambo, they call it gurkhas, um, and in in, uh, in in judo, they call it kimono, like gi. Like a gi, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a fuller uniform. The sambo, they wear the booty shorts. <laughs> so there's that. Um, you look you, better in sambo. You, I'm sure you've seen, you, you know when Fedor would do sambo tournaments, yeah. right? Yeah. He'd wear the, the top gi mm -hmm. and then underneath shorts. the shorts. Yeah. And then in... in they do, they in, wear that in South Beach now. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Those Vegas, what do they do? With <laughs> circa 2000. And then in judo, it's a full <laughs> gi. <laughs> so, but now how about um, comparing it to, let's say, wrestling, mm -hmm. American wrestling, yeah. where you can learn it, say, in high school or... Um, even prior to that, you can go to rest, 
right there's a wrestling Re- I, I love wrestling too um and particularly freestyle wrestling i'm not a big fan of greco-roman wrestling first of all it's all very boring to watch uh number two it's um it's harder to transition into real real life in from greco so greco you guys know it's mostly upper body mostly arms and stuff freestyle you're allowed to you know in a sense for viewers to understand tackle and pull the legs and trip the legs and all that kind of stuff so in wrestling is amazing. Um, there are not a lot of wrestling schools. Again, there are good high schools that teach wrestling, and some of our fighters actually come from those high schools. But um, but uh, wrestling is again. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, you watch a lot of the UFC things throughout history. Maybe sixty to seventy percent of the champions throughout UFC's history were wrestling based. I think so, it's more now. Probably more from, now. From John Jones to Khabib to uh, Kamara Usman, they're all every single one of them is is a wrestling, uh, wrestling background. Even. Uh, What's his name? That just uh, beat uh, Holloway, uh, Volkowski. Vol- Volkanovski. Volkanovski. He was a rugby player. Yeah, he was a rugby yeah. player, and again, wrestling, wrestling. background. Yep. It's it's, uh, you know, they say like you know the fight starts on the feet, and then a lot of the jujitsu guys say, oh, when it's on, on the, when it's on the ground, I'll take you, you know, I'll take yeah. you. But now it's now it's more of like, a, okay, can you get me to the ground? Because the wrestling defense for a lot of these MMA fighters. Has become top notch priority. GSP. Yeah. How many people? Oh how man, many GSP. You could takedowns that he have. It as was far it's, as... it was insane, bro. The guy's defense was like incredible. Yeah, you could uh, barely take him down. But he was also a uh, taekwondo guy, no, or karate. He did he did some karate, but his the way he the way he became GSP is from his wrestling, wrestling. and his game plan and his intelligence as a fighter. Yeah. And that's some people. That's some stuff that people overlook nowadays. It's to have a game plan as a fighter, just like how you would have a game plan if you're an, you know, an NBA coach or NFL coach or whatever the situation is. The best fighters in the world all have a game plan and they stick to it. Yeah. Now, and then the best fighters also could improvise if the game plan goes wrong. You know, sometimes you, you'll fight someone who's 99% orthodox fighter and all of a sudden he'll show up southpaw. So now you're like, oh shit, what the hell's going on over here? You have to adjust. GSP was really good at doing that. And um, that's one of the reasons why he became so good. And then a guy like Khabib, Khabib has a strong foundation in his grappling and his and his and his wrestling, and he does he never strays away from that. He didn't go into this bullshit where you you need to knock people out, you need to make a highlight every clip. For him, a win was a win, and and he stuck to his foundation. He stuck to what he was yeah. good at. He never got away from that, and that's one of the reasons why he was undefeated because he knows what he does well. Stuck to the game, and plan. he stuck yeah. to the game plan. Yep. See, Conor McGregor when he fought Jose Aldo. Who was basically he wiped out the light heavyweight division or not the light heavyweight the no. featherweight division? Yeah. Aldo was on a winning spree, and mm-hmm. Conor McGregor got into Aldo's head to the point where Aldo was like, "I'm gonna knock this guy out. I'm gonna knock this guy out. I'm gonna knock this guy out." Where he could have con- gone in, kicked the shit out of McGregor's legs, mm-hmm. and then beat him up. Where he went in there, got clipped, got knocked out. Yep. And then McGregor went on a spree. He got he kept getting into people's heads, doing the, you know the whole McGregor strategy. But when he tried to do it with Habib, it didn't work. Yeah. Habib was like, "No, this is not happening." You no. know, like he he took him down, locked his legs in, and literally smashed his face in for smash. <laughs> yeah, smash. I smash your face in. Smash yeah, face. but see, see, that's the thing. I I think Habib came into the UFC more so for for the fighting legacy. Connor. Came for the highlights mm-hmm. and to to make a name, and well, that's exactly different styles. What he did, yeah. right? They both did what they came to do. Yeah. Yes, yeah. nobody's come close to making the money that Connor made. Well, no. here's the thing, Connor. Mayweather. Yeah. But See, when, when Connor first, I'm talking about yeah. MMA. 
Connor, when he first started, he was out to win a championship. He, mm. that, that was his yep. goal. When he won the championship, he basically had beat Aldo, who, which was you know the featherweight champion, and he was like, okay, I'm going to go become the first double champ. And then he won. He became the first ever double champ. So he was holding it in light hev- in uh, lightweight and, and featherweight. in featherweight. featherweight. Yeah. After that, it was more of just uh, it was just ego at that point. It was the the proper twelve came out, and then the money thing got involved, and all this. I'm sure drugs and alcohol and all this crap <laughs> got involved as well. But again, proper twelve. Yeah, he, he knows better than we do. And then the whole Mayweather fight. So it it was more it's money. Business, but in the no, beginning, he was he was he was yeah. hungry, man. You could see it in his eyes. Well, you hungry. initially you have to be. You got to climb up the ladder, and but, then but he was on welfare. Yeah, yeah he was but see, but Habib, it wasn't like it was never like that. Habib was just basically. I am here to be the best. That's it. That's but it. But he was groomed for decade yeah. to be the if, best. Hold on. If Khabib yeah. was in it for the money, I'll tell you this much. He would have come back to fight. He would be right. fighting right oh, now. Yeah. Khabib yeah, yeah. was for the money. And His dad invested so much for him to get to it. Yeah, but Khabib, yeah. bro. That's Khabib's, money too. No, 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 no. It's man. a different bomb. It, Khabib's dad passed away, and Khabib said he's never fighting again since his dad is not in his corner. And, he yep. and no, he did. He fought once. I think. They f- he fought yeah. one more fight. I forgot who it was with. I think it was, was it Poirier? I think it was Poirier he fought. I forgot who it was. His but last fight, basically. Yeah, his yeah. last fight. He fought it. He he choked him out. And he took his gloves off. He threw it in the ring. He said, you know, I had a conversation with my mom. And I told her, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. I'm, it's, I'm not coming back. Yep. And I guarantee you, bro, knowing Dana White and his personality, I guarantee you he's offered him so much yeah. money and this guy's turned it down yeah i guarantee 100%. you man because everybody would want to see mcgregor versus habib even though it's going to be a shit show habib's going to beat him again everybody would want to see that everybody would want to see ferguson versus habib everybody would have want to see who else have we got Oliveira, like Oliveira versus habib that'd be a good fight that would have been a great fight as well but He's not going to do it, bro. He's no. not going to do it. Him For him, it's not about the money anymore. For him, it's about his legacy left behind and what he did to make his family and his dad proud. Mm-hmm. And no. he has, like, business ventures that he's doing, like, Eagle oh, yeah. FC yeah, and yeah. other things. Like, he's a smart guy. Um, believe it or not, there are fighters that are very smart guys. So, <laughs> well, Mayweather. Mayweather is, like, no action. The guy's never lost a match, right? Yeah. But it was all brain. He didn't want to get hurt. So yeah. he was a perfect defensive, defensive fighter. Defensive fighter, yep. No action. You you really can you beat get... Mayweather? Oh, I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> I can't fight. Period. What are you talking about, bro? Um, we had a question about Ronda Rousey, mm-hmm. who she she didn't initially start training at your dad's gym, but she kind of developed, right? Yeah. So uh, she was a judo. She was a judo background, and she was amazing at judo. And me and her were on the same USA team for over a decade. Yeah. Um, so her mom, and uh, who was actually at a gym a couple of weeks ago when my dad was awarded the, the Sambo Hall of Fame, her mom and my dad were very close, too, because of the judo. And my dad was fighting. The mo- uh, Rhonda's mom was fighting. And um, she grew up in that, you know, that environment. in that environment. Yeah. Um, and then when she got into MMA, if you watch all her earlier fights from her local fights to... I believe strike force and then and on and on. Mm-hmm. You'll see my dad in the corner in there. And so she developed who she was uh, as a fighter um, with my dad. Yeah. And there's a there's a good Netflix documentary uh, through her father's eyes. It's called I think I believe it's on YouTube also. And it kind of you know it, basically her when she was training at our gym and my dad's in there and he kind of just kind of breaks her down in a sense of her skills and her talents and whatnot. And um, so you're right. You're absolutely right. She developed and she became an MMA fighter, and she became who she was basically with us. Through you, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, 
And then, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's something you guys can watch and you guys can see the background of how she started and whatnot. So. Yeah, because Ronda Rousey revolutionized women's MMA. Absolutely. I mean, she... Her and Gina Carano. Carano. Yeah, yeah, Gina Carano as well. I mean, Gina retired earlier, but when Ronda came in, I mean, look at it this way, man. The UFC has a women's div- division because of, of Ronda. Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Yep. She came in there and they offered, you know... What was her other option? She had to fight men? <laughs> That's oh, sorry, women, that's you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of fighting men, because this is a topic that always comes up when yeah. we're discussing sports, is you know how these days men compete in women's sports. Now, I'm assuming you've grappled with Ronda. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're you're a big guy. You're six four. Yep. Uh, Ronda's what like five, Ronda's eight, like five eight. Yeah. Right. Um, but as strong as she is, even at her peak, when you mm-hmm. would grapple her. What's your opinion? So about she was strong, and at the time she would walk she, in judo. She would fight uh, round one sixty, one sixty five. Mm-hmm. She was a, she was a big girl, but not, but by, by big I mean strong and muscular and just a physical freak. Also, she won you know bronze in Olympics. So it's no you got to be really strong to do that. Um, and it's funny because she would only train with guys. She would train with Manny. She would train with Caro. She would train with me. Um, even though I was three four years younger than her, um, and she was a brute like. You know, any guy, even at a high level, uh, in order to throw her or to just control her and fight her, we had to actually try. Um, and in most cases, you don't. You know, it's just like you said, the anatomy and everything is different. You know, yeah. when you're physically trained as, as, as long as she was and dedicated her life to that, it's something that, you know, you have to actually try to beat her and throw her and stuff like that. And she was ultra competitive. Like, she would, if she would lose, even in a judo match, like, you would throw her even on a small point, and she would just, like, boil up and go like that. But, yeah, and, you know, fighting-wise... You, you put a pro fighter you, or even just an, uh, a good fighter that's a male, you put against a female, it's no competition. Even if the female is a top-notch champion? No, yeah. I no. mean, you, it's, 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 it's a topic that I know is, is very sensitive for some people, but I'm not, I'm, I've been around a whole life. I've seen top-notch UFC fighters. I've seen Cyborg you know, come to the gym and get completely wrecked by a dude who's you know, a local pro. Um, Remember Cyborg? It's, of course. It's, 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 <laughs> I think she was maybe one of the first trends. Bro, have you seen Cyborg? In person? No. Okay, I've seen Cyborg in person. No. Bro, Does she make you look short? She's, bro, she's, she's huge. She's, she's huge, big, yeah, she's big Bro, she's huge. And her, her hands, like they're like lunch boxes. How do you know? Her knuckles. Her, bro, I've seen her in person. A lot I'm of telling age. you. but yes like it's intimidating it's intimidating because it's like you're like geez you know that's a big girl but like you just said you put a a local pro fighter against cyborg it it just no competition i i think even even a lower weight class Mm -hmm. it's still so cyborg against garden for example what happened no we're going to garden our garden kd mma yeah oh man you're underestimating (laughs) so she's are you serious like (laughs) yeah bro she's like up there, she is, but it's just no literally match, the man. top Especially two Karin, women. Man. Karin was well, Karin Karin's was an amazing beast. fighter, yeah. but <laughs> remember what Manny was saying when he was yeah, on yeah, the show definitely. that Garden was in his prime, the strongest in the you could nobody could beat Garden in the gym. Karin to this day is skill wise the closest to my dad I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yeah, because he was so, he's so crafty, he was so methodical. You watch my dad fight; it looks like he's asleep. And Karin was similar to that. It's just because <laughs> the he patience control. or it's the it's breathing the that they control all of it together. All of it. But he, my dad and I, I'm like this in judo. I see three, four steps ahead. 
Um, my dad's like that when he fights martial arts or grappling, and that's how Karin was because he knew everything you're gonna do prior. I mean, one of the best fights that Karin had was one that was a draw was against Gary Tonin, and Gary Tonin at the time was in his prime, was beating up everyone, leg lock chokes, everything. He couldn't do anything to Karin. They're just looking at each other like, all right, let's go. Who's who's, who's doing this? Bro, you know, so. Tony Ferguson's on Karin's resume as well. Yeah, he beat Karin, Tony Ferguson. Yeah, and you know, Tony, really? yeah, yeah, and Ferguson's management. Yeah, he beat Tony Ferguson. <laughs> yeah, because he broke his leg. What the hell are you talking about? Because yeah. we had a yeah. couple questions about. Caro Parisian and yeah, uh, Carl, that's um, who else was on there? Uh, I remember Caro. I I actually went to the mm-hmm. uh, UFC match in Vegas. He was supposed to fight Matt Hughes. Oh, where he, he had the bruise. Uh, yeah, right. He tore something. tore his uh, hamstring. Hamstring full rupture. Yeah. So was it GSP that ended up fighting Matt Hughes or because um, um, GSP beat Matt Hughes? Oh no, I'm sorry. Matt Hughes beat GSP the first time, mm-hmm. and then there was a rematch, and then. Yeah, GSP. So it might have been that one where it was maybe short notice. GSP fought Matt Hughes and he lost. That's a good question. I'm not quite sure who. Ended How long up ago was this? Taking the fight. Well, it was a while back. Though. It was a long time ago. I mean, yeah. Garo was at his prime. Yeah, that was top ten. His peak. Welterweight. If he had fought that fight and beat Matt Hughes, his whole trajectory of his career would have been 100%. completely different. Because well, one he, fight can change everything. Yeah, yeah. everything. Yeah. One fight, one injury, injury. bro. Yeah. Yeah. Matt, when Manny was on with us, when we had him on, he went all the way to the Ultimate Fighter finale. Yeah. And you remember we were talking Nick about Diaz, this right? against against yeah, Nate, Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz. Yeah. little brother yeah. Nate. And I remember we were in Palm Springs watching the fight with the family. <laughs> and, bro, when he won the first round. Yeah, he did. He was he dominating dominated the, fight, the fight. And he was going to win the fight. And then the shoulder got dislocated. And it was just it was just like, oh, my God. are you? Because could you imagine if the shoulder wasn't dislocated and he won the Ultimate Fighter? I mean, again, not that he had a bad... He had a great career in the UFC. 11 years in the WEC in the and the UFC. 20-some yep. uh, fights? Something like that. And, you know, he, he yeah. made a great career out of it. But, it, again, you just... It's a, it's a what-if situation where it was like... He probably had the... As an Armenian, probably the most solid UFC career. No, no, no. no. Uh, I would still say Musasi. Musasi. Oh, you, you're yeah. absolutely right. But Manny's up Musasi. there. Yeah, yeah Manny's yeah. up there. Definitely. Musasi's world-class, bro. Yeah. And him leaving UFC was... My opinion, not the well. He's choice. making more money in Bellator, I mean, man. Yeah, yeah, money wise, but in terms there's of more he was to killing it. it at he's also pride. older, and so, there was no one yeah. fighting him at his. Uh, have you ever grappled with class? Musashi? Musashi, yes, I have. Really, yeah, Musashi's strong, man. Because yeah. you guys are like physically. He's right? a little size? bit shorter than me, and a little bit lighter. Um, I'm not fight weight right now. I'm pretty heavy right now. I'm like 240, 245. But uh, but uh, we when I wrestled him, I was I was at my fight weight, and we only did mostly wrestling and judo and stuff, and um. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I, I I was better than him in that, but that's my base. That's my yeah. thing. If we if we put on gloves and said, "All right, let's get into a cage," it might be a whole different story. But Musashi, he was very strategic. Stand up game is amazing, he's, man. He's calm. I remember very at Pride, calm. who was he fighting? Was it Rampage or some guy that they much larger? They dude. threw him down. He just did an upside kick, knocked the guy. Yeah. Out. Oh, yeah. against yeah, yeah. a Jakari. Jakari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jakari. Yeah. I I, t- I teach that in my self defense class. Because sometimes, you know, I have, I have girls who are Whatever 105 pounds, so you have to. You have to yeah. fight for survival. That's what you got to do. But I, I think Musasi's issue was he just can't sell fights. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's well, a personality. Now he, under- now he understands. Yeah. yeah. Now he understands. And I think if he does come back to UFC, he'll make. He knows. Because so, yeah. UFC is no. a lot of acting involved, too, guys. They, yeah. they, it's entertainment. To sell. It's entertainment. Yeah. Nobody wants to see. Well, yeah. I think. Uh, well, we'll see how it goes. I should be able to win the fight yeah people and then he go, goes people in there don't and kills someone in like 30 seconds you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, i was worried about his last fight because i heard he had a bad weight cut yeah. and that could mean a lot of things well, the, oh, yeah. he, he was gassed by the third round man yeah 
I mean, it was a great fight, but the other guy was just, he kept pushing forward, pushing forward, tra- pushing forward. trainers or something? Who, I don't know why fighters ever do that, man. Stick it happens. You change camp. I mean, uh, yeah, I agree with you, but sometimes you have to change, you know, camps. Time Two losses in a row, you tend to Not two. Take. Two is early, but um, sometimes, you know, you don't have sparring partners. Sometimes your coach could lose his mind a little bit. I've seen situations like that where coaches have just, you know, forgot about work. <laughs> you know, and they just like it happens. Yeah, so it happens. And um, but he had a rough weight cut, and I heard about this through the, the channels. And uh, and and then somehow, some way, it was publicized that he had a rough weight cut, and that is fifty percent of the fight right there. What's a rough weight cut? What does that mean? So he had to cut to middleweight, which is one eighty five. Uh, Musashi walked around like two ten, um, sometimes heavier, sometimes I don't know. You know, in terms of what he looked like prior. A rough weight cut means that you're struggling to cut weight. You probably have mm. to cut 10, 12 pounds of water weight the day before the day or, before. or the week of. And that happened with Caro against GSP. And I, to this day, I'll tell you guys one thing. Caro cut 16 pounds the day before his um, his fight against GSP. If he hadn't done that, if you guys watched the fight against GSP, lost by split decision, he had two, three Kimura's arm bars opened up, and he could have probably finished that. And he was telling my dad in the middle of the rounds, he's like, that, that was my submission. I just didn't have enough power to do so. Wow. So, yeah, yeah weight, and weight cut. He cut 16 wow. pounds. And my dad, we were on his case, too. We we're like, dude, let's go cut it, cut it, cut it. And he's like, no, nah, no, I got it, I got it, I got it. And back then, nutrition wasn't the same. Um, the ideology of cutting weight the right way wasn't the same. It was, it was like, hey, you got to cut 15 pounds. You got to do it now. You know, and we did it the old school way, you know, where boxers and saunas and, and sweatsuits. They still do that now. Uh, but now you could count macros. You could count your calories. You could, you have all these, like, tools that you could use. You could use infrared three pounds in 10 minutes you know all this kind of stuff so and back then he just cut it like you know he just starved himself for no water none of that no imagine power. going fighting against someone like, like I, I still don't understand Jeez. the whole weight cutting why it's necessary I why mean, why leave it to the end it's That's a competitive right. advantage it, man yeah. it's a weight advantage it's as simple as that no, no no you have to fit into the class yeah 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 right but if you have to cut 30 35 pounds 40 pounds mm-hmm. which some of these guys do is it that high? That's more extreme. Yeah, I, I mean, we've like had many, 18, many would cut 35 at a time. Yeah, Manny, yeah. Really? Manny would cut 35. Oh, well, he would fight at well, 135. Think about yeah. it. Looking at Manny now, like, well, now he's not fighting, but yeah. him losing 35 yeah, pounds is huge. Do you, do you remember how cut up he was yeah, at yeah, 135? Yeah, yeah shredded. Yeah. Ronda would shredded. do that too. Ronda Crazy. would cut about 25, 30 pounds. Bro, go look at... Go look at some of the photos of Conor McGregor when he would cut down to 145. He looked like a different person. He looked like Skeletons. a complete yeah. face would look thinner. Yeah. Much thinner. yeah, yeah. You see the jaw, you see the cheekbones, everything. And then as soon as they hydrate again, the next day during the fight, all of a sudden you see the muscles filled yep. with water again or blood. And I know, but is your strength at 100%? If, if it's, again, like he said, if it wasn't if don't a healthy do right, cut, no. no. Not even What's close. the right way? Get, why don't you do that weight cut sooner? As soon as you get the fight, you know what weight class you are the right way is go for the weight cut and just keep up the weight the right way is tricky because every body's a little different and that's a reality some people cut weight super fast some people struggle with it some people will cut five pounds and they feel like absolute shit um the right way for me is to do it gradually a lot of people the problem it is like we tell our fighters to not cut, cut carbs until about a week before the weight cut because a lot of people even at the highest levels they'll stop eating all sorts of carbs which means that they're affecting their training. If you don't get carbs in your body, you're not going to be able to spar for three hours and lift and do all that. So, um, so the right way is is by trying different things, and that's why you know in MMA there's amateur fights. So, like some of our newer kids or newer generation, which by the way are going to be monsters, our our new you generation so? of kids, 
at our gym. Yeah, we have some kid. Uh, his name's Fedia, uh, Arshog. These kids are 18, 19 years old. They're literally living in a gym. It's like a boot camp for them. So what we're doing with them is we're having them fight based off of what we think their pro fight's going to be at. But their amateur fights, they're going to fight at 150. They're going to cut maybe 5, 10 pounds and see how they feel. Cut one, Then drop to 140 and see how they feel. And then their projected uh, professional weight, which is 135 for Arshog, let's say, and see how he feels, which means for him he has to cut about 25, 30 pounds. That's so what you got law. someone getting ready to be in maybe Manny's shoes type of thing. Yes, yeah. Like Fed, oh, uh, when you look at Fed, for example, Fed is the future Khabib. I'm telling you right now. Oh, wow. He's 18 years old. Armenian? Kid, Armenian, yeah. Fed, Fed Chobanyan. Ferdinand, but they call him Fed, yeah. Mm. yeah. He has a name, too, for a fighter, Ferdinand. So, um, yeah, he's, Ferdinand the bull. He's, he's a monster, man. So he's, he's training every day. He's at the gym. My dad gave him the keys to the gym, so he's there seven in the morning. Leaves at ten. <laughs> yeah. So you talk about commitment, bro. Yeah, that kid. So you talking about like commitment? Yeah. That kid. No. How school, many kids nothing. are gonna do that? Not None, many. Not a lot. He's not even going to school. He's. I don't want to go to school. I'm gonna be UFC champion. Why the Smartest hell do I need school? And so he's know, straight up tunnel vision. All t- full on tunnel vision. Wow. Yeah. And, and mean, if you hit one of his fights, I believe is on YouTube and whatnot. But uh, he just manhandled the guy, and he's fighting. He should be fighting August 20th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're looking for an opponent. But if someone watches amateur? that first fight, amateur, yeah. If someone watches that first fight as an amateur fighter, as a coach, I'd be like, yeah, I probably don't want to fight this kid as really? an amateur. Wow. He would wreck someone's like whole trajectory as a fighter <laughs> by fighting him. Speaking of that, Arno, thanks for the uh, another super chat. Super <laughs> chat. Um, he says, we've had uh, many professional UFC MMA fighters, but none have fully gone over that hump. Do you yeah. think it's, it's the commitment... Um, the uh, hunger. I'll tell you this much. In the is beginning... It, is it our culture, you think, part of... Yes. So it's a little bit of the culture, but not in a bad way. So what happens is, like, a lot of Ar- Armenians would go to a level where they're like, wow, this guy's great, and this, all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to say we're hard-headed, but we are in a sense. Um, maybe we let ego take over a little bit. But um, it, the reason why they don't get over that hump is because sometimes they just are... Set, based off of the background that a lot of these older generation Armenians came from, and then they see themselves where they're at, they were content with where they were at. And that happened with some of our fighters. They were like, okay, I'm here. I'm top five, top ten. I think this is good enough pretty much. Or the fact that we take our, like, athletes and be like, oh, you're a champion. Let's go. Let's go out and have some horovat. So let's go to Khash with yeah. Eno. You know, it's like homie's got a game next It's tough, morning. man. And, and it's a great thing, right? Like, we're so family-oriented. We're so, like, we're such people, you know. And <clears throat> it's a good thing in general. But if you want to be a top of the – top of the food chain uh, in the UFC, it's very hard to do that, man. It's very hard to to live our lifestyle and to be the best. And what happens is it affects your training. And in MMA, if you want to be the best MMA fighter, it's a full-time job plus some. And you, you're working overtime all day. And the newer generation of Armenian kids know that. And and, and newer generation of Armenian fighters know that as well. And I hope that, you know, they get into a, a point where they don't, they're never content with where they're at. They don't let the money and the fame and all that get into them. And you know? that's all brought to them from Ayastan uh, MMA as it is, right? Because in, in your school, mm-hmm. you don't just teach them the left and right and just let them go home. You give them the lesson of humble and respect. All that is in yeah, absolutely. part of the program. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. We, I mean, we, we manage our fighters, but we don't micromanage them. So, like, you know, you still want you, – you, because we've realized – and we've heard, from, we talked to different coaches. We'll talk to coaches from ATT. We'll talk to coaches from AKA. Like, you know, and the best coaches don't micromanage their fighters to that extent. They leave their fighter. If the fighter wants to be like how I mentioned our new fighter, they want to be the best. They know what it's going to take. If my dad was to sit 
and 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 watch every single one of these fighters like like you would do a newborn puppy or a baby it just doesn't work that way um you know these fighters want some 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 freedom they want to do they want to do it on their own but they also need the guidance of someone like my dad or me yeah. or some other some of our other coaches so it's a fine balance and that's why like i said earlier to be top of the food chain it's it's one percent maybe even less it takes strong mentality strong emotionally and then uh and then the physicality comes in after that so you don't think part of the issue has been as far as let's say armenian fighters go is that um at 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 a certain level they don't start training um at other gyms like an att mm-hmm. or ak or wherever else mm-hmm. to because if you're constantly training with the same same people mm-hmm. right same opponents you develop defense systems or offense against that individual mm-hmm. whereas uh if other other teams let's say if you go out to a different camp for five six months mm-hmm. you don't you don't do they do that or you, you do do that so the so the best fighters like if we know they're at a high level what we'll do is we'll and you know mma as big as it is it's still a very small community right you know a lot of people know my dad might a lot of people know my dad knows a lot of people what we'll do is we'll mix they'll 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 train you know, like say nine week camp and stuff, they'll be with us majority of the time. But there's nothing wrong with maybe driving down to San Diego and to Chula, well, near Chula Vista and like training with Dominic Cruz's guys. Right. And maybe, you know, flying up to San Jose and training at AKA with maybe even Khabib and, and some of our students have done that. And and my dad's open to that because what that shows to us is that they have that commitment to be better and whatnot. And sometimes you need to do things like that. Um, you know, maybe go down to Florida. Maybe we have an affiliate gym in North Carolina that has, you know, Brian Battle, if you guys recently saw. Um, he was he became the recent uh, Ultimate Fighter champion, Brian Battle. He's I from our gym in North yeah. Carolina, so oh. it's it's one of our strong fighters, Jonathan Martin. He's in North Carolina right now for you, you know, guys for have a gym and a in North Carolina. We have an affiliate gym an in affiliate, North Carolina, yeah. yeah. Um, and and they've you know produced a lot of good pros and stuff. So it's good to mix and match. It's 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 important. Um, you don't want to you don't want them to stay in house the whole time. But that doesn't mean that going back to what we talked about changing camps and stuff. It doesn't mean you change camp. Because that gets you confused if you do it a lot. Okay. It, it just means that you're, you know, getting advice and whatnot, but you're also yeah. working with different guys. Not about changing camps, more so about getting the exposure of okay, let me, let me train with a guy like Absolutely. Khabib different or styles different, too. Yeah, it was uh, one of the reasons why Khabib was so good. For example, was his style. It's so hard to train against that style. You could bring gravity. a good grappler and have him fight you at, let's say, at your local gym. Um, that you know you're fighting out of no one's going to be as good or as persistent and stick you like gum like Khabib is that's one of the reasons why he was such an advantage for him because it's hard to find that so now if you could go you know if I could maybe fly one of our guys to Chicago for a week or two weeks and have him let's say train with you know Olympic wrestler or whatnot we'll, we'll do that because you know it's our guy in the end of the day we want the best for them so because Khabib is training his cousin now another, yeah he's training a, a, yeah, another, yeah another Nurgama Medov mm-hmm. and Bro, his last fight, you watched him, very, very similar to Khabib's fighting style. Takes him down, locks the legs in again, smashing from the top. Yep. It's just, it's, when you have good training partners in camp, it's like, like they say, iron sharpens iron. Yep. And when you have good partners there, even Daniel Cormier was training with Khabib. And Daniel Cormier was a heavyweight was a slash light, guy, yeah. light heavyweight. So imagine... Khabib wanting to train with Cormier and trying to wrestle Cormier, who was again national champion, yep. wrestler. So it's like now you got somebody who's what 60, 70, 80 pounds heavier than you, and you're wrestling him, taking him down, trying to hold him down. He's doing vice versa. 
bro, you're just you're it's the elite of the, of the elites, and you're just getting better and better and better. Yep. And wrestling's so primal. That's why I love about it. It's it's been done for thousands, thousands of years. <laughs> I, I, even if you remember Greg Jackson's camp in uh, New, New Mexico, Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah. who was in that camp, bro? John Jones, GSP. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Anderson Silva went in there and trained with them as well. Uh, who else was there? There was a bunch of guys in that. Yeah, camp. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. And you looked at that camp. You were like, damn. It's the elite of the elite, and everybody was going to that camp to basically get better and better and better. So, you know, if if you're a, if you're a top notch fighter, and you know you got top notch fighters around you, mm-hmm. you're just going to keep getting better and better and better. If you want to be a good uh, MMA fighter, the most important thing is to have sparring partners. Absolutely. Yeah, and along with the coach, who like Greg Jackson. Greg Jackson was 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 known because a lot of the fighters went there because they wanted to have someone like Greg Jackson to give them a routine. And that's what he was best at. Yeah. It wasn't that he had the utmost knowledge of MMA. No, he, he had was, good he coaches good. as well. But yes, yes. And that was important because he surrounded himself with good coaches on all levels. But he was a he was a, a, a dictator when it came to your routine. If you that's were training with Greg Jackson, you had to do this and this and this at this time. And then this is your game plan. If you get out of it, you're cut out of the gym. That's just kind of how I it worked. I remember at what point probably every other champion came out of his gym. Right? At yeah. one point, yeah, and then they started going to where was where's Cormier and Habib fighting? AKA, out of? AKA, yeah, mm. American Kickbox Academy. Yep, everybody's coming out of there now. Where yeah. are those uh, Diaz brothers? Is that part they? Of they AKA trained in their own. Well? Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, they're in Sacramento, Stockton. Stockton, right? Stockton yeah. yeah. Uh, Shahi, Slap. Shahi wants to know uh, what are your thoughts on the Armenian variant wrestling called Koch? Are you familiar with that? I am not familiar with Koch unless that is a different name that I don't know of. But, I've uh, never heard of it. I've never heard, I've of, never heard of Goch, actually. I, that's something I could ask my dad Read Jason's and get back to him. <laughs> but I don't know what Goch is. Yeah. By the I've way, heard a lot of variants uh, like Gilliam and, and, and different things like that. And Gilliam is, is more Swedish. I mean, Swedish, that's from Viking days. But Goch, that's something I've never heard yeah. of before. And, and yeah. by the way, guys, listen, um, I, I know a lot of you guys are asking questions, but uh, we have this running on like four different platforms. So. Uh, we're, we'll try to get to every single one of your questions. The fact that we get a super chat, it actually notifies us that there's a super chat. That's why we're That's getting to those reason. questions. So the fact that you guys think that we're ignoring your questions, no, it's just there's a chat going on and there's a very large feed. So yeah. we, we try to get to everybody, uh, you know, as best as we can. So if we've missed a question, just, you know, post it again and we'll try to get to your yeah. question. Exactly. Um, Jason, thank you for the super chat. He says, uh, Recently found this podcast and very impressed. Shout out from the only Armon Sioux City. Sioux Falls. Uh, uh, Falls? Iowa. Iowa. Oh, yeah. Iowa. Yeah. Uh, tell Arthur I'm down 23 pounds. He'll know. Oh, nice. Jason. I know. I, I know Jason. So yeah, Jason. Jason's a uh, news broadcaster over there. He does sports and all kinds of stuff that's in, crazy. Uh, in I think, Iowa. You know, he was in Vegas. Exactly he was from Vegas. Sioux, that's Iowa is exactly where things started. Uh, Good job, Jason. <sighs> Garbidian, what's her name? Garbidian. Uh, 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 yeah. Fox. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Angela? yeah, no, no, no. Aroxia. That's where she was actually. Yeah, because yeah. she got. Nice. She was. She. She was like you mentioned. So you're podcast. not the first Armo there. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you got beat on that too, man. Yeah, Aroxia Carpetian beat you there. Oh. <laughs> well, this John's comment. This one I have to. <laughs> yeah, you have to read that. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> I like the suspense. He says Levick thinks he follows politics because he reads bumper stickers. 
the worst kind of cars, Yo, by the that's way. Fucked up, that's not even the one I was talking about. You should read them. Oh, my God. The Koch one. Today, today uh, <laughs> my, my sister sent me a <laughs> sticker of this car, Civic's bumper. It says, I voted for Hillary, which is all just completely ruined. And <laughs> the other one says, gay friendly. <laughs> <laughs> The hell is I don't that? know why anyone puts any stickers on their cars, man. I don't, I don't get it. And it's always something like that. It's always for some reason on a Prius. <laughs> I know. It's, 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 <laughs> that was right, Prius, bro. It's, have you ever seen a bumper sticker on a Rolls Royce? No. No. You'd never want to read it. Have you ever seen a Ferrari commercial? No. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> this is not going to happen, bro. It's funny that you these bumper stickers, he's right. You either see them on a Prius or you see them on like a 1984 Oldsmobile or something. Yeah, yeah. Like well, a station wagon or something. I, I was wrong, guys. Jason... You, you're right. I, it was Idaho. She went to Idaho. Oh, she went to Idaho. This is Iowa, so I was wrong. <laughs> okay, one letter here or there. <laughs> They're both the, four. What's the difference? Iowa, Idaho. They're both cold in the winter. Levick is looking to move into uh, to Idaho, by the way. Iowa or Idaho? Idaho, Idaho. yeah. No, why not? That's nice. Arno was also asking about um, what your thoughts are on some of the current fighters, like Shabazian. We've got... Sarukian. Uh, Sarukian. Who got screwed in his last fight. Yeah. Yeah. Last week there so. was another Armenian guy, Petrosian, right? Armand, Armand, uh, Armand, Petro- Armand Petrosian. Yeah, he, yeah, he got out grappled though. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that the one? His style is kind of weird Petro- to me. Sarukian was the one that got screwed in the last fight. Yeah, his oh, main okay. event. So that was two weeks. That's ago, a good. Last that was a good fight. I watched it. I was in San Jose actually. When our kids had a judo tournament there, so I was able to kind of watch it in peace. Um, and I, when I watch Armenian fighters, I don't watch out of Armenian bias. I'm like, oh, he's Armenian. He won this fight. Oh, he um, won that fight. Based off of the first time that I watched it, so a lot of people have told me, "Hey, watch it again, and you might, you might change your mind." Based off of the first time that I watched it, I thought Sarukian won that fight with a smallest of margins. Correct. But I was not shocked that they gave it to Gamera, prim- primarily because he took down Sarukian close to seven times. Okay, wait. Would you really consider those takedowns? I know, I know, they're technically takedowns yeah. as far as counting it as far as points. But, bro, they were probably the most petty pay- takedowns I've yeah. ever seen. Yeah, so Sarukan did a good job getting up on a lot of them. But even, like, around two or three of the takedowns, after Gamera threw him down, he was able to have some sort of control. And that's one of the primarily things. Like, we, we have friends that are judges, and they see round four and five a lot more important than rounds one, two, and three. And it's, it's human get, nature. You know, that's just how, how it is. I, I gave round one, two, and five to Armand. Mm-hmm. Round three was a toss-up. Yeah. Uh, round four, no, 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 I'm sorry. Round three, uh, he got beat up. Mm-hmm. Round four was a toss up. Round five, I gave it to Tom. Yeah. and it was a conditioning was a issue fight. too, though. Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit in the sense, very little. They but both it was, were it was pretty, showing. Yeah, I mean, they both were pretty. I good. think it was his first five round fight. Yes, it? yes, it was. and, and it's first and it's, five, and round. it's a whole other animal. Yo, when you're fighting course. for 25 minutes and you're getting punched, you're hey, throwing, I've, you're defending. I've been in a ring one time. It was for three minutes boxing. Uh, I will never go into yeah, any it's time. tough, man. Bro, three minutes, it seemed like I was in there for about 45 minutes. It's the toughest sport in the world. Oh, yeah. Hands down. It's modern-day gladiator. It's 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 the toughest sport in the world. You know, and look. Boxing? Let's, let's be, no, um, uh, MMA. Oh, MMA. MMA. But if you look at it in this way, in terms of Tsarukyan, um, it's, you know, like a lot of people didn't know who Gamera was. Like, they, they didn't know, but I knew who he was, and I knew he was, a, he was an Olympic-level wrestler, and he chose to do MMA. Outside, you know, and not do the Olympics pretty much. So and I knew the the style for the that money. Was, yeah, and he was yeah, a champion absolutely. outside Simple. of the UFC. So yes. he had five round experience and more experience overall as far as fights too. Yeah, well, he, he's older as well. Uh, you could give him that, but it's like it's 
consider them both in their prime, but Armand is still up and coming prime. Yes, and Armand's twenty five. But I always tell, see, we have fighters who are twenty five, and I say, hey, time flies by in the UFC because let's be honest, you're fighting maybe four or five times a year if you're lucky. If you're lucky, and, you got five, and six. If years you're lucky, anyways. And, and yeah, I mean, now you know with modern medicine and thing, you look at a lot of these champions. You know, Volkanovski's turning thirty four. Izzy's thirty two. Um, Glover Teixeira was is my grandpa's 32? age. He's forty-two. Yeah, is he's thirty-two? Sure, um, you know, fighting him, he was a champion. So you you have leverage, but it's also depending on your fight style, right? If I'm someone like who's going to take a lot of damage at 25, 26, 27, 28, I'm probably not going to be able to fight when I'm thirty-five. No, That's just how it is. Not. So it depends on your fight style too. So Sarukian, in the end of the day, UFC looked at that fight as uh, an emerging fight. So what happens is Sarukian got a big contract from that, which is which is great. He got a five foot fight contract. Um, after this loss. After this loss. Oh yeah, he's he's fighting a ranked fighter, man. Yeah, he got a five fight, you know, continued five five more fights in the UFC, which is amazing, and that's that's good because he is twenty five. And how? And I, what's the average? Like, how many g- uh, fights do they usually give contracts? Uh, I mean, if you're good, they'll give you four or five fights. Oh, sometimes six. Yeah, and and with him, he's twenty five, and he has the utmost of talent. I mean, he's a physical freak. He's fast. You can see in his body. Um, he has so much natural talent and stuff. And, and I think, you know, this is a loss for him that could maybe potentially be one of the best things in the world. You know, and it's fu- funny in the game, of, in the world he of MMA, it. say it again. He needed that. He, possibly. I mean, you know, in the MMA world, you could, you could get a win that could completely ruin you. You might knock someone out with your eyes closed and think you're the best puncher in the world. And you start focusing your, you know, natural, again, it's human nature. You're all your camps are like, yeah, I want to punch more. I want to do this more. I just wish for all the Armenian fighters now that they don't leave their base. That's the important thing. And from what I know from Sadiqan, he has a wrestling and grappling brace, yeah. and he's great. He's great at what that you know at that. But he did get out wrestled in a sense against Gamera. So I would want him if I was his coach. I would, and he's at ETT primarily. And if I was his coach, I'd tell him, "Hey, this is your base. That's what you that w- you should focus on, is and let American everything else come in." I, from what I know, I think that's because I know at. I know Roma was in his corner. Yeah, well, uh, I think he comes to LA right before his fights a couple oh, weeks it, and he so, does like boxing so, training okay, things like that's that what it yeah because uh, when you when you look back when you were talking about your base when chuck little started fighting mm-hmm. chuck little was a wrestler mm-hmm. and then chuck little started knocking people out left and right you know and that's basically what he started doing he was like focusing on knocking people out knocking people out and then all of a sudden you know he f- he went to pride and he fought you know striker he, mm-hmm. he didn't go to pride of course he did he Ooh. went to Pride. Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell went to Pride, and or he was, was the middle of his earth, end of his career. Was it? No, I no, thought it was the no, beginning. No, of no, his no, 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 no. Chuck Liddell went to Pride, and he fought Quentin Rampage Jackson. And he oh got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he got knocked out by Quentin <laughs> Rampage Jackson in Pride. I remember that fight, but wasn't yeah. that like no. beginning of his no. career? Chuck Liddell he even fought uh, Alistair Overeem at light heavyweight mm-hmm. and yeah. in Pride. That was before so, Overeem. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that was before Overeem. Correct. Joe Rogan here. So, <laughs> so no. When Chuck Little was actually managed by Dana White at Pride, so this mm-hmm. is before uh, UFC bought out Pride. So uh, he went into Pride. He, he got knocked out by uh, Rampage Jackson, and obviously he came back to the UFC again. Started beating a bunch of people up again, and then when UFC bought out Pride, they brought Rampage to yeah. fight Liddell, and he got knocked out again. So it was kind of like if he stuck to. You know the old wrestling. Mm-hmm. There was a big possibility he could have beaten Rampage Jackson, but it was more of a, I got knocked out. I'm gonna knock him out. Yeah, and that happens with a lot of fighters. That's what they want to do. But what saved, what wrestling helped Liddell because he was very hard to take down. 
had strong oh, hips, yeah. and not a lot of people tried to even take him down, and he became a counterpuncher because of that. Yeah. He just waited with his right hand and waited, waited, waited. He, yeah. And and that's when, you know, and that became his bread and butter. In yeah, a sense. and then yeah. then he started, when he started pushing forward, that's when, I think once Rashad Evans knocked him, knocked him out, that's when everything went downhill. Because, or, I think, Rash- yeah, yeah, Rampage, Rashad Evans' knockout was the downfall of it. Yeah, and sometimes he you was, get... He was lights out. Yeah, sometimes you get knocked out. It changes the whole way you look over look at fights, you know, and sometimes your brain even changes. You get knocked out once sometimes, and if it's very bad, if you get concussed, your brain will naturally just protect itself. So sometimes, like, a jab will shut you out for a second. Yeah. Wow. So it's just a natural way of... And that's what I mean, you know, like, based off of your fight style, you could have five years in your career, you could have 10, you could have 15. It really depends on damage that you take over once your bell's rung that's it sometimes you get bells you, sometimes you get rung once everything shuts off after the fear, the fear settles in there too yeah it changes your mental aspect <laughs> of the game too because you don't want to get clipped yeah and you're scared to get hit again get hit knocked out again injuries become, do that too injuries yeah even as like injuries are mostly injury. when you come back from injuries it's all mental. you know what's yeah. the worst one i've ever seen anderson silva's leg oh, yeah. against uh weidman did you guys see that one? Yeah, yeah it's nice. That was probably, and then Wyman broke his leg. Yeah, against, same uh, way. Right? Same way. Same. Oh my God, man! Who, who's your favorite fighter all time? Uh, I mean, Gracie. It's tough. So, except for <laughs> aside from your dad. Yeah, all right. That's what I'm saying. Besides my dad, uh, I was a big fan of Connor, uh, because of the entertainment aspect of it, and I liked Connor's hungry years. Um, you guys were talking about the Aldo fight. You know, I was talking about game planning. You guys, there's a video of Connor practicing the step back into a left yep. a straight prior that was connor at his prime and that was one of my favorite fighters to watch of all time uh nowadays honestly and it's tough you ask a lot of martial artists they're not going to give you an answer for that because we don't really have them we just enjoy good fights um and it, and it's it, i don't follow any fighter to the extent where i'm on their instagram and like oh i can't wait till he fights when is he fighting all that kind of stuff i'll watch most ufc cards or i'll follow it but i don't have a specific fighter that i'm just in awe of or anything like that no, you I mean, know like, like let's Say, for example, Fedor or GSP or uh, John Jones or Silva. Oh, so you're talking about historically. I'll, I'll put, I'll, I said all time. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, you know, I would, I would look forward to Connor fights. I would look forward to John Jones fights. I would look forward to GSP fights, um, Khabib fights because he was, he was our style. So that was something that would get me more interested in looking. So, like, I don't watch every UFC. I'm not going to lie. I'll follow it. I'll know who won, and I know how they won and whatnot. But um, I watched the ones that, for example, that interests me. Of course, when the Armenians fight nowadays, that's something that I'll tune in and watch. Um, and and I think most of them are going to be doing great. Like going back to your thing, I think Sadikhan is going to have an amazing career. Um, uh, I think uh, what, out of the three fighters that you mentioned, I'm not quite. I'm not very familiar with Armin Petrosian. He's from Russia. Um, I watched some of his fights and stuff, but I don't know his trajectory. But he's in he's the UFC a weird for a reason. Style though, his styles. He got taken down 11 times, man. That's that's a problem in the future because not a lot of the future fighters are going to be like, I'm going to do the same. Take them down. Yeah, yep. they, they literally just got to go back and watch one video and pl- and basically game plan from there. It was just too easy to take Arthur, them down. Arthur, who's the, the best soccer player of all time? Someone's asking that? Yeah. Uh, I'm a Neymar fan, man. <laughs> <laughs> are you serious? Why? Oh, floppy Neymar? No, Floppy Neymar. <laughs> Get heated right that now. That guy? Just really? No, I, lo- I love well, Neymar, the guy, man. The guy that does cartwheels on the field? <laughs> <laughs> the re- see, the reason why I love Neymar is, is, is the reason why I love certain fighters. It's because of the mentality, the ego a little bit. Um, I don't think ego is all bad in, 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 in always. You know, it depends. If you know how to control your ego, it's fine. I just love him on the pitch, man. Every time he has the ball. I know he's going to do something spectacular and then go from there. And he's a winner. He's like a the magical thing. portion of it. Yeah, I do. And, and in 2016, they, when they interviewed Kobe, they asked him, who do you think is, who's your favorite 
you know, uh, um, soccer player. And he said, well, it was Messi, but it's Neymar now. And they asked him why. He said, because after me, he's like, I think he has the closest thing to a killer instinct after me. That's a real Neymar thing. Neymar does? Yeah. I mean, like, oh, I uh, think it's Ronaldo. I think bro. Mbappe uh, is even better than him. I swear. No, I, I mean, guys, you're, he's going to be the next great. You're undermining sure. Ronaldo's. Oh, no, I love Ronaldo too. The guy's draw. Look at, what is he, 34 now? 35? 37. Is he 37? Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. He's still playing. Yeah. Well, he's a he's machine. Training seven days a week. He's a machine. Because yeah, you look at Messi was gifted with the, by the soccer gods. Yeah, you have to admit that yeah, he's, he's gifted with the soccer. Mm. But Ronaldo, there's just something. Oh, like you're that. talking about Ronaldo? I thought you were talking about Neymar. No, 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 Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Neymar also. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of I mean, Neymar. Man. I'm a soccer guy, and for mm. me, those extra touches, those extra moves, mm. are useless into the game. You're more like systematic. Yeah, yeah, like, like I want to watch the system play. Yeah, out. yeah, definitely. I'm more like drug the, up those money extra, those dance extra a touches, <laughs> those dances. To most soccer guys, it's not pretty. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's it's, not realistic to us. Yeah, I, I've always, I'm back and forth with that kind of stuff. With Neymar, it's like you kind of either love or hate it. Like, but, look at Musasi. You, you have no extra in his fights. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Everything is precision. Yet nothing extra, no extra spin, no extra movement of yeah. arms, right? Yeah, Izzy's like that too now. Yeah. Watch exactly. Izzy. I mean, it's a boring fight. Yeah, yeah. it's boring. Mayweather. Yeah, exactly. It works yeah. though. But it works. Yeah, it works. That's all that matters. Yeah. Look at Zlatan. I mean, nothing extra but his killer touches. I mean, yeah, not the best player in the world, but yeah. for his age. Well, he's 40 years old and he's still oh, playing. Yeah. Zlatan, Zlatan has a... Everything's uh, Pele is still the GOAT. He is. Yeah. I mean, I, can't, I, I mean, can't, I've never watched. We would have known. I mean, the <laughs> soccer has obviously. changed a lot, guys. Yeah, you can't see the that. sport has changed. That's the thing. When it world. comes to goats, you, you have to go within a the certain era. era too. You I can't agree. just go, you know, two hundred years back and say this guy was the best because, yeah, for his era he was because he just outperformed anybody else. Yeah, everybody else. Definitely, but yeah. so who who do you say was the goat in basketball then? Well, you could you could argue. It Michael could be, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> Michael. Well, um, there's this there was this college kid who made a very interesting statement about the goat. Mm-hmm. Oh, you saw Ray Allen's video. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh. He basically said, "You're a guy, and you hook up with the girl, and she invites you over ten times, and you smash six times, and then there's another girl you hook up with. She invites you over six times, and you smash all six times." Who's the goat? I love the analogy. <laughs> you get it? Yeah, of course I do. No, he missed it. How about Bill Russell's smashing? Bill, no, you can't. Why? You can't. That was I think Arno and Bill Russell are you can't. Why neck can't and neck. you? You gotta, you gotta look at how many times. No, 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 no. no you can't. You how many championships did he have? I think he has like what eleven. Eleven. Okay. So it's, that's it's how many smashes? smashed eleven times, bro. Smashed eleven times. <laughs> okay, but how many times was he in the play? Eleven per day. <laughs> bro, you're talk, you're Actually, talk, literally, Cham- well, Chamberlain you're, probably smashed more than yeah, yeah, you're, you're talking about somebody who. <laughs> yeah, he said un- like okay, Hold on, you're talking about somebody. <laughs> you're talking about somebody who was undefeated in the finals, five MVPs, six finals MVPs. Okay. Uh, Robert Ory has seven somebody, rings. Levy just reminded us. Somebody who revolutionized basketball, meaning everything after him has been. Basically, implement. Everybody's been trying to emulate Ooh. what he did. Ooh. Michael Jordan. But you know who saved basketball? Who saved basketball? Meaning, like, well, it was basketball brought bat NBA to the masses? Jerry West. No, it was more so Magic Johnson than Larry Bird. Then it was Michael Jordan. It was it was the Showtime Lakers. That's what it was. Well, they were right before Jordan, bro. They were the guys that brought the torch to Jordan. Don't get me wrong. To me, Jordan is the GOAT. 
He is. I mean, there's no argument, but I'm just, you know, I mean, devil's advocate. You got to. I mean, uh, I, will, I will argue. Vladi Divac was my <laughs> Smoking halftime, you know. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> That's my favorite. If you, because, because if you, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go shooting guard prime, would you go Kobe? Or would you go Jordan? I would go Jordan. Allen Iverson. <laughs> I said shooting guard. I'll be well, Kobe. To me, Kobe was the closest thing to Jordan. Yeah, was, LeBron is sure. not even in that. Con- I, I, LeBron can't shoot. LeBron's That's not, not true. in that conversation. He can't shoot. That's not true. Sitting around I'm, four guys are me and they can't we can't <laughs> we can't shoot, bro. The guy has I think this is shoot. a better conversation with your brother or I'm, you. What do you think? I mean, I I I understand basketball you, a little okay. I mean, to me it's 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 Michael and LeBron. But uh I know you know, people might say, I don't know about LeBron, but I think LeBron has to be up there. Man. No man. See, Harry agrees, finally agrees on something. He says Magic and uh Bird saved the league. Yeah, I remember that. Magic and Birds. In the 80s, but that's for your times. The fuck See? you mean my times? Well, late <laughs> 80s. You watched basketball late 80s, no, didn't you? But you can't... Every, every era, there was, there was this... There was a story behind every era. In the 80s, it was, yeah, it was the Bird and Magic era. I'm not talking about story. Just like... No. At, what saved it, the UFC? Do you remember? Connor. What saved the yes, UFC? No. Connor didn't save Zufa the UFC. Zufa saved the UFC. No, no, no. Dana White what and the team, the Fertitta brothers. Dana White and the Fertitta no, saved the UFC. that's not what saved the what, UFC. What, Chuck Liddell saved the UFC? No. What? No. Okay, we'll get there. Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Why are you getting so emotional? What? Come on, tell me. Yeah, because I want to know what you're... Ed, you really got... Can you... Take those buttons. And you're not <laughs> musically inclined. You can't be touching music, you know, these drum buttons and <laughs> DJ booth. Dana White has admitted himself multiple times. What saved the UFC was the tough fight between uh I forget those two guys' name. Are you talking about Forrest Griffin, Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner? Yes. That's what saved the USC UFC because at one point they had invested a ton of money when they when Zufa bought it, but they just weren't getting the traction they they wanted, and Dana White was actually considering folding. I haven't heard that story. That's interesting. Yeah, that's that's what's because because yeah, you're right. The, that that the first ever tough and Diego Sanchez was on that card as well. Yeah, and yeah. he he won the the lighter weight, but Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin fight. Yeah, it was kind of more of a showing that hey, listen, your average your average fighter can actually join the UFC and make it. What is this, what is he talking about? <laughs> See, Harry says NBA was about to go bankrupt. Yeah, Harry's definitely right. in the eighties. John, I did not read your comment. No. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna say anything. You're not missing anything special. Trust me. You're not missing anything special. But when you guys were talking about toughest sport being MMA, mm-hmm. Levick mentioned five other sports that he thinks, and Levick's a volleyball coach. He's also played basketball, but he mentioned five other sports that he thinks are tougher than MMA. He said he mentioned uh, water polo, gymnastics, soccer. What else did you mention? No. Basketball. I mean, I don't <laughs> no, think not respectfully disagree. Not basketball. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, hockey. water polo is hockey. Hold on, tougher in one aspect. Hockey though. is a tough sport. Water polo is definitely a tough. It's sport. It's not to say it's not tough. Um, you can't compare basketball to MMA. It's just it, not the same. It's though. it's tough. He didn't man. mention basketball. Yeah, one of those five. Know. He said mm-hmm. hockey, water polo, gymnastics, 
they're they're soccer and I forget the. They're not easy sports, rightfully so. Rugby, I think he's rugby. They're not they're not easy sports. They're difficult sports too. And if you were to rank them, I would put water polo and gymnastics and stuff up in there too. It's apples and oranges. You're talking about team sports versus individual sports. Yeah, but the problem with 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 thing is that people don't understand. Well, it's tough also when you haven't done it too, or you don't understand if you haven't immersed yourself into it. When you get locked into a cage and and the person in front of you wants to, you know, basically kill you. Uh, there's no tougher sport than that. You literally act me. Yeah, you hockey. You're worried about getting hit. Obviously, there's a skill level of the, uh, the skating and whatnot. Same thing with soccer. It's the footwork. It's all that kind of stuff. Coordination. All that. All of that applies to. That's the thing when you when people are training MMA, they don't see in the background. MMA trainers do a lot of the sport training that other sports do. Do a lot of agility work that football players do. A lot of um, a lot of cone work and agility work that soccer players do. Um, you're worried about getting hit in, in hockey, you're going to get punched and get your lights out in, in fighting, you know? So, I mean, everyone could have their opinion for sure, but in my opinion, you know, and it's not because I'm involved in it and I do it myself. Uh, it, there's nothing harder than being in a cage. Okay, you, got, you have to look at it like this. It's an individual sport, meaning you're by yourself, okay? You're locked in a cage, as you said, and for five minutes, nonstop, you're using every single muscle, including your brain, for five minutes, nonstop, and oh, then yeah. you get a minute to two minutes of rest, and then you're back at it again for another five minutes. You get another minute for rest, and then you're back at it for five minutes. This is nonstop. As it's in, like, it's, it's not like the guy's going to say, hey, uh, is your leg doing okay? You want, me to, you want me to give it, you know, you want me to give it a rest? No, this guy's trying to rip your leg off. He's trying to rip your head off. He's trying to break your arm, and you're defending yourself or vice versa. Yeah, and you know what's tougher about MMA, and a lot of people don't realize this? And yeah, other sports have the the idea that you have to stay in shape and stuff. It's the mental and emotional aspect of MMA itself. It's not only you have to work physically, stay in shape, can't do a lot of the things that you're supposed to do you know, as a, as a high level athlete and whatnot. But it's the mental aspect. Like I just got knocked out, I got taken down, I'm lost two in a row, three in a row. You lose in something like that, you don't have anyone to go be like, hey teammates, let's go, let's yeah. pick it up a little bad bit. Bad days, like in yeah. basketball, you could have a bad day, like soccer match. There's 11 people on the team. If you're not having the best game ever. Someone's gonna pick up your slack. It's not just basketball. a bad day, bro. You can. Uh, there's what 80, eighty-two games. Yeah. Baseball, you have four hundred ninety-seven games a season. <laughs> and I MMA, mean, you three games three in a day. Chances that year, bro. You, you have one perform. bad day. You're, you know, eye sockets. You know, yeah, yeah. into your brain. You never know. You never, never, even, never fight again. even if you just lose one, two, you're pretty much. I mean, you're yeah. done, right? You, yeah. You're 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 down the rankings. Your purse is not the same. Oh yeah. Uh, Everything has just changed. What kind you, of money is involved in it? Not good. Like, <laughs> no, honestly, no, like, not good. Knows, bro. It's not good. It's not like a contract, for example. You're, you're better off being a PI attorney like John than. Yeah, so the local. Yeah, John's the lo- a decent PI attorney. The, yeah, the, if you want to go to jail, go hire John. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get into a car accident and you'll end up in jail. <laughs> the local events don't pay anything. Uh, you can absolutely not support a family doing local events. You're talking about maybe, maybe if you're lucky, three to five, six, seven thousand per fight. Um, that's a local event. Even Bellator, for example, and some cases UFC, uh, UFC, um, they'll pay a little bit more in UFC. But Bellator, we've had guys who fought for like four K, um, two yeah. K, two and a half K. So who's paying this for the training? You are. Yeah, yeah. Night. Where's and I mean, the money? I'm talking. Obviously, these are preliminary fights. Guys were like up and coming and whatnot. Yeah, but um, until you don't get that contract, um, you're not making good money, man. It's not. It's not an easy way of uh, making a living. That's for sure. And correct me if I'm wrong. Basically, of that purse, I think you keep forty percent. The other sixty percent is breaking broken down with 
your gym, coaches, your coaches, stuff. your manager, your all that, all that uh, stuff. Is, your manager will take a certain purse. Like, you know, if you have a big name manager, he's going to take some coach out of it. Uh, coach, you normally, they take, for example, my dad doesn't um, take it. And some coaches do that. They don't also. But I think most coaches take about 10%, 10 to 20%. See, 10, 10, 20, 20, it adds up. So out of 4000 you make $37? Yeah, oh, plus tax forty dollars. Oh, yeah. taxes too, bro. Yeah, there's taxes. Yeah. There's taxes, taxes. and sometimes well. you don't get insurance too. So, like in the local events, you don't get because I know I know you have to pay. You have to pay for medical clearance. Mm-hmm. You have to pay for your own health kind of insurance yeah. sort of thing after the fight, before the fight, and all that. Before stuff. the fight, you got to do a bunch of MRIs, yeah, um, and stuff, and no one really takes care. Yeah. We take care of it for our guys, but like in the end of the day, if we did, if we didn't, for example, they would have to pay out of pocket for all that, and yeah. that's a couple thousand dollars just right there. Yeah. You get two MRIs, you get an eye check, hearing check, a regular physical. Um, and it I adds think up. the gym even takes a purse, takes a cut from the person. Yeah, well, if right? the owner is different from the yeah, gym. Like again, the coach like, is different from the owner, yeah. Again, every coach is obviously different. But, like, for example, like we said, you know, somebody from American Top Team, some, somebody from AKA. They definitely take percentage. They're, they're going to take a nice chunk because, yeah. you know what, you're, you're training with, you know, elite guys from that gym. Oh, 100%. They're going to they're and, right, and rightfully so. You're supposed to. I mean, that's you're spending... You spend so much time as a coach uh, with, with this stuff; it's 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 ridiculous. Yeah. It's a full time job yeah, on its own. Like I said, I think I think f- at the end of the day, after taxes and everything, forty percent is probably what you take home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, uh, it's not a good way of making a living. And, and you got to just basically go knock everybody out or submit somebody who get fight of the night in order to get that bonus. So it'll be yeah. And people get fooled by the numbers when they see the salaries of these UFC fighters, where they're watching the co-main events and the main events, where are making two fifty, four hundred, five hundred. And again, that that's good money. Op- Obviously, but that's not the case with a lot of people. You have to, you always have to remember, right? There's the one percent of every sport. So those guys like Connors and stuff, they're gonna make great amounts of money. But then watch the whole salary chart of the UFC as it starts from like the first fight to like the eighth, seventh, seventh, eighth fight. You guys are making maybe twenty, twenty-five thousand a fight. Let's say I fight four times a week, uh, four times a week, four times a year. That's a hundred thousand, and then after not expenses, you're making less forty than grand, thirty week? grand. And then yeah. you don't get full insurance on that too. So they don't make yeah. it. They don't want any money. It's tough. Yeah. And tough stuff. Be, before the whole Venom deal and the whole Reebok deal that they had, I mean, at least the fighters were making money off of the sponsorships. And that's one of the reasons why they went to Bellator. Because yeah. that's that's where you know, just putting a monster logo or you know a big brand on your shorts or on your banner is enough to you know. Pay some of the bills. Yeah, but, or the ability to be those like... those are small too, I think. Oh, man. They're some fighters, better some than fighters the purse. make more money than the purse, yeah. Yeah. Because ima- imagine like... Imagine you're part of like Greg Jackson's camp or AKA or, you know, American Top Team and, you know, you're training... How do you know he's not? You're training with some of the top elite fighters and you know what? They go in there, they see that you're, you know, you, you've trained with Daniel Cormier or whatever and you're on the same card. They might, you know what? Oh, here's here's a couple grand. Just put us on your shorts. I mean, yep. it's not going to be equivalent to what oh, they would shit. put on. Daniels. That's what I'm saying. It's a couple grand. No. It's not. You're not getting but fifty grand. But to it's put a logo. no, no, no. Crazy amounts yeah, of money. It's still, it's still idea. something. <laughs> I can get into the MMA. All I have to do is say I'm a woman. And then, <laughs> I might make money off that. <laughs> they, they try that a couple of times. Fallen Fox and those other. Yeah. <laughs> and I pay good. I'll, I'll put the wise notes on the back <laughs> of your shorts for that. I, I'd pay good money to see no, that. No, no, you got to put it in the front. At the front, yeah. The wise notes. Yo, no. Depends how much you're paying. <laughs> Why don't you get a butterfly tattoo right in the coccyx area first, and then? Are you paying for that one too? Yeah, it's only eighteen dollars. But would Are you, you do would coloring, you hand coloring? Yourself? Would you strike a woman? <laughs> no, I can't bring myself to, bro. It's just an idea. I think. <laughs> I think if you were at the gym, Rhonda hypothetical bitch slapped you, you would 
You'd be okay. I gotta hit. I've seen guy. Ronda beat up guys. Yeah. I mean, obviously she could beat up. <laughs> All three, all three of us, of us. <laughs> at the same time. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> not punching wise, grappling wise. Fight, bro. Huh? Even, even punching, bro. We have nothing on her. No, yeah, no, man. No, you no, think no. you can take on Ronda? I'm not Today saying I will take on Ronda. Why don't you go to the uh, the arcade and at the Burbank Mall? They have that punching measuring thing. What, what, what See was that how called? strong you are. Yeah, what's that thing uh, called? Rumble the, things. Is that punching o- something yeah. o meter? Something? Yeah, that punch o meter. Something. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. Try it. See what you get. I mean, I'm curious. That's about that. No, no, I'm serious. No, I'm Let's serious. Go after this. I'm, we know I'm where we're going. After one thirty-four. It's very close. Burbank. I'm down to try. Go to go to the arcade. And try it. See, you think you hit hard, and try hitting that. You can be like, yeah, it's, it's a little too high, too low. It, you know what it is? It's technique as well. It's not about it basically is. swinging for the fences, bro. Of it's, course. Yeah, everyone's everyone. asking you, uh, do you think men should join women's sports? <laughs> oh, no, absolutely that's not. A, that's a yeah. stupid Stay question. Away. Who, who asked that question? <laughs> Miss Anonymous. Oh, Miss Anonymous. Christ. I hope she was yeah, being no, sarcastic. No, no. Men should stay away from that. Women should stay away from Yeah, that. no, man should never strike a woman. I don't care. I don't care they who you are. Stay you away can, from joining you can, any, even you the can, swimmer. You can go chop chop it off and turn it into whatever the hell you want to turn it into. It's you're, just, you're, don't, just don't, don't do it. Well, don't once you it. chop it off, nothing else you can turn it into. It's dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's besides the point. But yeah, I mean, has seeing seeing people being okay with men transitioning to women's MMA, I I think it's I think it's basically it, it's mind. sad. Number yeah. one. And it spits on women's MMA. Yeah, no, you know what? You know what? The problem I have with this is they talk about all this and equality and stuff like that. In in the end of the day, what it really does, and just men transitioning into women's sports, it completely rejects and kills off the momentum that women's sports have been receiving in the past ten years. Let's just say. Yeah. I mean, it completely downgrades the importance of women's sports and stuff, and it is important. I love watching certain women's sports and stuff like that. The Euros are going on for soccer right now in women's. And and having Did you say you watch women's sports? Yeah, like you know, soccer and stuff. It's, it's it's good to watch. The women the, <laughs> the women's Euros going on right now. Yeah, the women's I had Euros, no I know, idea. I know. They're marketing. Do you know why them. women's soccer? I watched judo. I was watching judo money? for girls uh, in the Hungary, the Grand Slam. And look, you know what it is, man. If you could, if you could sell tickets, it's I'll watch bad. it. Yeah, Ju- I'm, I am definitely looking forward to Juliana Pena. And what do you uh, mean if you could sell tickets? If you you have to first watch it for the t- tickets to sell. Well, right? no, I mean if you could put on, if <laughs> you could put on a show, if you could look, are you not looking forward to Juliana Pena and uh, Amanda Nunez fight again, the second one? I honestly haven't. Last few years, okay, I haven't f- really followed okay, Amanda, much of the MMA okay, Amanda fights, Nunez knocked I, out I, Cyborg. I remember Nunez, yeah, yeah. Okay, she knocked out, and I was looking forward to that fight. I was like, yeah. this is gonna be. This is going to be a sick fight. I mean, when have I ever, or anybody has ever said, oh my God, the Sparks are playing the yeah, no. a Liberty. You don't even <laughs> know another team. It's, yeah, it's, it's, like, I like, don't the know. Sparks the Sparks are playing. I have seats. Yeah. <laughs> the Sparks are playing the Liberty. It's going to be a sick, it's going to be a sick game. No. But dude, when I, when, when they announced Nunez and Peña too, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a great fight. How about a fun fact for you? The WNBA is still being taken care of financially by the NBA. Yeah, 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 yeah. They have to. I mean, realistically... They don't have to. You you let businesses fail. Bro, there was... That's a, how you do it. There was a business. It would have failed years ago. There, yeah. was a, <laughs> there was a reel on Instagram I was watching the other day. I think I sent it to you guys where it was like they were, inter- they were asking people, random people on the street, they were like, uh, we have... <laughs> we have two tickets to a WNBA game or $2. Which one do you want? Bro, everybody <laughs> was taking the $2. Seriously. <laughs> it was so sad. Are they still around, WNBA? Well, yeah. they're playing right now. Oh, yeah, they they're in their season right now. They're oh, in their they season are. right now. 
So it still exists. I mean, I I haven't watched uh, Frank even NBA. I haven't watched it in years. Yeah, yeah same thing. I, I, mean, I, I can't too. watch the NBA. The fact that you've got these uh, this LeBron James trophy participation trophy generation that just switches teams every other month just oh, to, yeah, yeah. just to win it, you know, put to have the potential to win a championship. I thought you were going to say the politics surrounding it too, which which that, by the way that I can't stand. I'm a traditional martial artist, obviously, and I hate politics and sports. Unfortunately, it's mixed into intermixed now. But yeah. it's one of the things that absolutely pisses me off when I watch something and and I see so much politics involved in sports. It, it, it for me, it takes away the the purity of sports. Exactly. I used to love the LeBron's game. The moment he got involved in politics, it's money though. I can't I can't watch the guy. You think it's his choice? You talk about think it's talking about WNBA. A lot of people don't know. Is a lot of these people that are going to these games are being paid off to go to the games. Mbappe was at a game the other day. Mbappe doesn't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. Mbappe has a, at a, a WNBA <laughs> game. He was at a WNBA game. Yeah. Yeah. You have to a, get paid. Put a camera yeah, on Mbappe during the whole <laughs> game. I'll guarantee you, ninety percent of the time he's on his phone. <laughs> guarantee. Oh. So I mean, they're trying to do what they can, I guess, to like power it up and stuff like that. But you know what they should the do? Point, it's uh, who was it? I think it was Charles Barkley. I said it a couple years ago. What they need to do in the WNBA, I swear, it's going to sell tickets. Lower the goddamn the rim. rim. To That's what, what they like said. Nine yesterday. and a half. They said. Yeah, eight, let there be action. If, they, if you can see a dunk eight. or two. You know you what? Know? Eight feet is. He said eight feet. Eight feet. That's a little bit bro, taller. Than eight me. feet is <laughs> like pre K. Bro. They're not. They're not. No, bro, you go to what, the you're elementary you're saying, schools around here. You're what is saying that, seven feet, nine. No, I think nine. Probably. Okay, nine. elementary. Nine. No, elementary's not nine. They've all, like, they've increased it up. <laughs> most of them are not eighty. Bro, we were dunking at elementary. I was dunking at Columbus, bro. bro. That was thirty years ago. <laughs> Still, you think it's they not changed the those same? Yeah, they did. They rim did. sizes yeah. now. Remember even Thomas Jefferson. When bro, they don't you remember Jefferson? We play. I was dunking on Jefferson's courts. That's how sad it was. Yes, yes. What I was dunking. Were you on that I day? was dunking on Jefferson's courts, bro. Was that with the step stool <laughs> or without the? Hey, <laughs> asshole! Remember, I went to dance, so I had hops. <laughs> so did that doesn't mean shit. Why wouldn't it bit that on the show? But <laughs> they, they, they can't lower the rim. Let me ask you a question: Are you still using those tights most. sometimes? Do you like put on those tights, dance tights, just to, bro? I, just I to actually have the, it, the compression it, tights. It's 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 fun. I'm not I'm not I'm not ashamed of it, bro. Yeah, of course I went to Armenian dance. Uh, it's funny that I, I, the only time we would wear, wear tights was at the concert. Yeah. Well, your generation. My generation. Yes. My generation, we had to wear Because he was stricter. During practice. He was yeah. stricter. Ours, we were wearing sweats. And it's shorts. And see, shorts. No, now they wear shorts. Our generation never wore shorts. When I see these sweats? kids wearing shorts, I'm like, what the hell? So now they? if you ask, see, the generations have changed. Yes. Who's your all-time favorite dancer? <laughs> oh. <laughs> right now, it goes back to, well, which generation are we talking about? Dancer, no, no, I don't know any dancers. I don't know. I don't know. I was, I was kidding about that oh. question, but <laughs> I was like, but as far as you know, like, uh, since we, I mean, we're uh, kind of shifting into politics, mm -hmm. and, and you did mention that politics and sports should not be, in my opinion, anyway. should never be intermixed. I, I, I but they I use sports as a leverage for politics. I completely agree with that because you're watching sports to unwind, right? Mm -hmm. It's you know they called. Baseball, what the pastime? Yeah, Ameri American, American pastime, pastime right? Yeah. And every sp that that's one of the reasons I I completely stopped. I I don't I, I don't remember the last time I watched sports. Yeah, because w whatever you tune in, it's all the same bullshit questions about what are your thoughts on. And I remember one of the coaches, I think it was one of the soccer coaches, mm -hmm. got upset and said, 
uh, Euro soccer, one of those league coaches, I forget who it was. He said, okay. "Listen, like this is not my expertise. You guys, un- you guys realize I'm a soccer coach. I don't have expertise in politics. I can't tell you what I think of so such and such policy. Mm-hmm. Ask me questions about the game, and I'll answer." That it. happened don't between Armenia's coach too recently. Yes, with, uh, and the, the, the one he's talking about was Chelsea. Oh, the one was it? Uh, he's talking about Thomas Tuchel. He's yeah. talking about Chelsea. Yeah, remember that interview? But, yeah, where yeah. He and then he's talking about the Armenian. Uh, coach. When they asked him about Ukraine, and he Ukraine. said uh, it was against Ukraine. The game yeah. was in Ukraine, and they had this one reporter asking the coach about yeah, Armenia's Va- decisions politically. Yeah, Vahe like, confirmed that. So it was Thomas Tuchel. Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. He's a yeah, good coach. That's a, no, that's a hard sport. last name. Like, Bro, no, I've never heard this, anyone say that name. The same way twice. Yeah, I, I used to say it wrong too, and then someone was always correcting me. I, I there's a guy that at the gym that knows all that stuff, and I'll say something, he'd be like, "You mean this?" I'm like, "Yeah, fine." Well, we were calling we were calling <laughs> Abelour Abelour until we had a whiskey guy come on and say it's actually Abelour Abelour Abelour. You got to give it that little that little French Why don't you ask uh, Siri? See how Siri says it. That that should confirm it. Fuck that bitch. I don't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Edgar, Edgar has his Siri turned off. I've Ed, never had it Edgar, turned on. Edgar never asks a woman's opinion. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Don't say that, man. Jess, don't are you, are you watching? Yes, she's here. Well, well, technically, you could turn Siri into a man. Our phones you are transgender. You can. But like politics and sports... It should always be separated. It, they should never have any. You know what? Go out if you're gonna play a sport. You're gonna play basketball. Go out there, play your game. Talk about how the game was. You don't need to talk about, you know, what happened in Southside Chicago or what's happening in LA or yeah. what's happening in New York. If you're playing soccer, same shit. Who gives? A, they can like, find different avenues of you know if there's this important subject that they want to talk about. Find a different way to do it. You know, so, you know what ruined it? Social media ruined. Yeah, it. yeah. Social media ruined. Social a lot of media things. ruined it because they all these athletes got all these followers and all you know all this uh, traction from their we're, posts we're where where it's kind of like all right, uh, LeBron. <laughs> social media. No, this is, <laughs> social media. No, this is obviously no, no. Everybody, yeah. quit your phones, man. <laughs> no, but seriously, bro. Except listen. Monday nights. <laughs> Except the 150 people watching. <laughs> but no, it's like it's it's kind of like okay. Oh, look, LeBron James has this many followers. He's constantly on Twitter. He's constantly on Instagram. Hey, let's pay him a couple extra bucks for him to mention. So-and-so. So-and-so. Yep. This That's bullshit. how it works. couple extra that. bucks? You know how much Cristiano Ronaldo makes? It's like 800000 When I say a couple extra bucks, I mean in their... In, in their, their, in their in Compared to their purse? In their pockets. Their purse. No, you know how much Ronaldo like 800000 No, right? man. Like that. No, Multiply man. that by three. Yeah, More? bro. It's in the millions, It's almost bro. three million now. Damn. For him to just... post... For him to post, what? Yeah, like, like, let's say, let's say we pay him three million, he'll just post with the wise shirt yeah, on yeah, him, yeah. And saying the best podcast, you know, yeah. which it is, yeah. which it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way this guy thinks. Man. I would, I would click the applause button, but I don't know which one it was. Uh, you got it, man. Muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs> now he only had muscle memory when it came to wrestling and punching. Oh, no, no, no. He has it only with dancing. I have muscle memory when. Dance. Damn right, <laughs> damn right. Especially when I'm drunk, and he's dancing Bert while he's drunk. That's all oh, that. I don't know if I could do that anymore. Yeah, Bert, you can't do. Who's whose shoulders if are you going to climb can, up on? He can. Yeah, Armin's going to climb up on my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 speaking of politics, I mean, since you teach at USC as well, and you've been there for almost five years, five now, years, right? Yeah. Have you noticed the shift over the last five years? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, but you, you don't notice it in the teachers as much as you do from the students. I've noticed a big shift on the students. As far as what? Uh, you know, just the way they think, the way they, the th- things that they talk about, the questions that they ask. You know, now I have all these pronouns on my, on my students that I have to, to an extent, follow. But I do a good job of remembering their names, so I don't have to do that. Um, because some students could be a little bit anal when, that, when it comes to that. Um, so I've seen a shift in students and their ideologies and their thought processes and what they like, what they don't like, and all that kind of stuff, more so than the actual school itself. Um, USC, like you said, it's a, it's a, a private yes. school. Um, I wouldn't say it's conservative in any state of – I don't think any education thing is. But um, a lot of the older heads there are still like, what the heck's going on over here? Um, so they leave it up to us to kind of do our judgments and, and to teach the way we think is important. I have a solution for you. You should get this shirt. Which one? The one he's wearing. Oh, Logan? fuck your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get I don't it. know if it's I can wear it there, but. It solves everything. You don't have wear, to wear it under your gi. I have no idea what it says. Yeah, wear it under your gi. <laughs> yeah, wear it at the that. staff <laughs> meeting. <laughs> <laughs> no, but aside from the pronouns, what, what, what else have you noticed that shifted as far as the idea? So I'll give it goes? this way. Um, and st- I don't know if students, any students here, are they going to take this? Uh, professors don't have as much of uh, power as we used to back in the day. Who Nowadays. Took it away? So who took it with the students and the ideology process of the school? So what happens if the student has a complaint about a grade? Most likely going to be on the student's favor. So like you mentioned, participation trophies and stuff. School is turning into a business and it's turning into a participation. Uh, so if someone goes and takes it, like I was horrible at chemistry. If I fail chemistry at USC now, yeah. I can go and complain and bitch and moan and get you my could, C and get the fuck out. Yeah, so what's going to happen, especially at USC, because they've recently had issues with you know all the stuff that they've had issues with in the past couple of years. That involved faculty, involved people who work there and stuff. So there's like this whole trend of, and this is happening in every school, and we get training on this, you know, nowadays. So it's like, hey, um, you know, so if a student complains, you have to hear them out. You have to give them benefit of the doubt. So if the student comes and says, hey, Art gave me an A minus, but I deserve an A because, so you know, my mental health wasn't great and stuff. And I'm not saying anything about mental health. That's something that should be talked about. But like, they get leeway. There is no like, let's have. Five people decide on that. It's like, oh, that's what he said? All right, A it is, you know? And that, for me, comes comes down to awarding people things that they don't deserve in a sense, you know? You pass um, out nine-place trophies at the end, too? Yeah, bas- basically uh, what ribbons. it comes down to. Be. Yeah, ribbons, yeah. And I don't like that because I feel like the whole idea of school and the whole idea of this world and our society is to challenge people to be better at what they do. And if someone's not good at something, for example, if you're in good at chemistry, you probably shouldn't be a chemist, right? Like, so, yeah, and it's, it's to teach them about what they're good at, what they're not good at. It's to socialize them. It's to, for them to, to grow into the bodies and the minds that they should be. And nowadays, school is just, you know, they're taking your money and they're not doing that. So um, that's what, the reason why when I first was hired at uh, US, uh, USC, the first thing I told the director, and I was very straightforward. I said, look, I'm not doing this because I need the job and I don't need the money doing this because I thoroughly enjoy teaching and I come from a background of teachers like my dad and whatnot. And I want full autonomy. I want me to control the classes. I want to control the, the curriculum that I teach and I want to be able to control everything that I do. And if you give me that option, I'll take it. If not, maybe someone else is better for you guys. And what I appreciated at that point was like, sure, you know, you got, you got, we'll, we'll give you full control of everything you want to do. So I like that aspect of it, and that's what I meant in the beginning of the podcast today was that I want to infiltrate the system because there are changes that have to be made, and a lot of it come down to the politics of school school days and the participation as ideologies. Even. Not that I don't want to give students a voice. I think everyone should have a voice, but there should also always be a hierarchy. This is who I am. I'm teaching you. You're, learner. You're the learner in this case. 
and I don't want anything anything outside of school to be interrupting. And that's what's going on right now with everything that's going on with politics and gender and this and that and that and that. It's affecting schools. I mean, are, are, are students even paying attention to, to the professors or it, are it, they on the phones or uh, what's so the I, environment like? I mean, me, I take the old school approach a little bit. Um, I don't get upset at them. I tell them if you need to take a call or you need to do something, um, definitely step out and do it. I, I, you're given that that leverage and saying, hey, you could control the class and how you want it, which I like. Um, for the most part, for my classes, everyone's paying attention. My ra- my professor ratings are pretty good, so I think I'm doing a good job. <laughs> but um, but like, um, I have 95% female students. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, 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 I definitely put my fingers on that. I, I definitely want to control that aspect of it. Uh, if they're on their phone and they keep it in their pocket and I see them texting a lot, I'll call them on the side a little bit and I'll tell them. I won't call them out in front of class. It's not high school. I'll say, hey, like, if you, you want to use your phone? Sure, you got to leave, though. That's just how it works. And it will affect your participation if I constantly see you using your phone. So that's just how I control in that aspect. Discipline, man. That's what it is. It's what it is, man. If you're, it's like if you're in class, you're in class. You focus on what's being taught in front of you. Yep. If you want to be on your phone, by all means, you know, you're an adult. The door's right there. Walk out. I, I tell them you're paying a lot of money for these units at USC. USC right now with room and board and, and all that kind of stuff is close to over 80000 a year. So if wow. it, it's and I always tell students because when my business I'm, I'm I work with the college students and I work with a lot of you know young kids who are going to go into college soon. And no matter what school you go to, it's what you make out of it, right? So if the kids want to take pay for four units, three units, or one year, whatever it is, thousands of dollars, and they're going to come in and not learn anything, that's up to them. You know, it doesn't. It used to affect me more, but nowadays it's like I'll, I'll see them and I'll be like, all right, why should I focus on uh, someone who's just you know completely turned off? That's why I always tell kids like the minute your coach or your professor or something stops yelling at you and stops caring that's when you know they don't give a shit about you <laughs> and no, it's true right. in every school and every school and universities and 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 even sports and whatnot um the that's that's in play and it, it, it that's just how it is so the system took the kids from the parents gave the power to the kids no gave it I to mean, the teachers power to, to, to the teachers yes and the teachers took that same power and gave it right back to the students yeah, the students have a lot of power. The only now. loser here was the parent. Yeah, in all of this. Yeah, the students have a lot of power right now in every school, um, and it's going to continuously change. So I'm hoping, you know, it doesn't hit a point where, you know, and that's why I think, like I said, education itself it needs a big disruption. And disruption is a positive term in this case. It needs something that's going to revamp. It needs like, a full revamp. Yeah. The education in, in what way? Done. In what way? How would you? But it's not education. You, you, revamp you, you need to teach things that are more. You need to teach things that, you know, for example, kids. Skills. They, they, yeah, you need to skill more skills-based, more financial literacy, um, more schools need to do a better job outside of just the socializing aspect of teaching kids how to learn more about themselves okay. and be authentic in that sense. Like learn confidence, learn self-esteem, um, mm. learn their strengths, like, understand their weaknesses. Well, 18-year-old, you they give you $100,000 for you to go to the school, right? Mm-hmm. Would they give you... An, hundred thousand dollar loan to start a business at 18 the yeah bank wouldn't that's do a good that. point now, and i've heard that point before too and it, it wouldn't do it yep so school in general like in most cases and you'll see it a lot you know it's a big kind of thing that you hear they they teach complacency they teach you to how to be a good corporate worker and all that kind of stuff and i formally do i do truly believe that that's what it's for you know when we're kids we have to ask to go to the bathroom and all that kind of you know stuff like that but if they give you more freedom to learn what you want and understand what major you want to take and and understand what you want to learn, um, understand more about yourself. It gives you such a big advantage, at, you know. And 
And I do that for my institute. And, and I have 16, 17-year-olds who understand what they want to do more, um, start learning how to you know, have a purpose in life and whatnot. I, again, I, I teach at a university level. So a lot of these kids are completely confused. And the whole idea of school when you're 23, 24, 25 is to help you not be confused. I have 25-year-olds who come to my office hours not to ask you know, on what the midterm is on. But they're like, hey, I don't know what the hell I want to do in my life. Um, I changed majors four times, but no one's really helping me. Yeah, they I'm want like, guidance, bro. Yeah, these kids yeah. want guidance. Please. These kids want help with what to do with their with their lives. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's unfortunate that you know there are parents out there that you know both mom and dad have a nine to five and they're constantly yeah. working. They don't have time to kind of you know focus on their kids, or they don't want to focus on their kids, which is unfortunate. But you know, if the wrong people get into your kids' hand, if the, if the, if your kids get into the wrong hands. Know that, yeah, they're going to get brainwashed. They're going to go down paths that you wouldn't want to go down on. And, Absolutely, and it's it's just kind of it's 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 unfortunate, but uh, you you just have to you got to be on top of your kids as far as knowing what they're learning, who their friends are, where they're going as far as you know out out and about mm-hmm. extracurricular activities, all yeah, of that. Everything. You, youth are vulnerable, right? Mentality wise, they're even when I say youth, I don't just mean 12, 13 year olds. I also talk about 21, 22 year olds. Oh yeah. They're very vulnerable. That's why a lot of these, like I'm a history nerd. So I love history. And when you look at history, a lot of the times, and it's going on right now in this world, the first thing they do is they get into the minds of the kids, you know, and nowadays yeah. with social media and the TikTok and stuff, it's all psychology. They know the colors that they're using. They know the things that they're saying, the algorithms that they use. They get, they infiltrate these ideas into the kids' minds and that kind of shapes them. And it happens in college too. You go to a certain college that's a full-on, let's say, liberal college, like let's say Berkeley, for example. I've, I've, I've had friends who went to Berkeley and it came out they weren't my friends anymore. Not because they chose one side or the other. No, it's just because they're completely like, different. They turn into the 180. Dark. It's like when you see kids like, go to like a camp, you know how they have the training camp for military, like boot camp? Mm-hmm. Dude, you see the person six weeks later, completely different yeah. person. Yeah. yeah, but do you think... Okay. Now imagine four years of that. Okay, let's say you. <laughs> oh yeah. If you're Close twenty your years, if you're twenty years old and you had the proper upbringing, proper values, morals, all of that, do you think a, a Berkeley or a Yale? It could, or it could do it. Yeah. Could it depends. Shift, shift it depends on the kid. So it depends on the, how strong your mindset really is and how strong you're as a person. So a lot of people like that's where the leader and a follower comes. It's just a personality thing. There's kids who are, and I get this at USC too. And look, let me be honest with you guys. As much as I say that, like generations changing, I went into USC as a teacher with very, very low expectations of what these kids are going to be like. And some of the students do impress me. Mm-hmm. Very ambitious. Very, um, they already have jobs that are set, settled. They, they want to intern across, you know, overseas and whatnot. And obviously, not as many as I would hope so. But there are, there's still hope for a new generation. So that's that's mm-hmm. what makes me happy, and that makes me want to teach there more because I want more of their students to be flocking on my side. But uh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. So what happens is, it could either it could go either way. And like how how you mentioned, uh, who's your surrounding? Who's your mentor? Who's who's talking to you? Who's in your ear? Um, the guidance that you have not only from those people but also from your family too. Oh yeah, to stay put. And if the so, person's quiet, you know it's an easy way to find out who they really are. Go on their Instagram if, or their Facebook, whatever social media they have, and find out who they're following. Yeah, yeah, bro. There's I swear the other day. You know, my my wife pointed out like somebody that we really, like, somebody we know, mm-hmm. where yeah, we don't we don't talk to them like every month or every week or whatever it is. She said she pointed it out. She said, "Look who they're following." And I looked at it. It said, uh, "Liberal Armenia." 
when uh, liberal <laughs> Armenians. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And well, I was what like, is that, a group or something? Liberal Armenian. I was like, what the hell? And then I dig, I dug deeper and deeper and deeper as far as who this person's for. I'm like, holy shit. Well, no wonder this they guy doesn't want to hang out anymore. I'm like, no wonder they don't want to hang out with us anymore. <laughs> You don't but have the stickers back of your car. Oh uh, yeah, you just, you just no, you just gotta you gotta, you gotta look carefully and uh, I mean you could you could talk to them, but the sad part is is that the people that are on the opposite side of I, I want to say the correct side. I don't want to say the right side because they're gonna look at it as oh right wing, right wing. No, the correct side yeah, as no, far as family values, morals, principles, all that stuff. Somebody who's against all of that, I mean, you can converse with them, try to tell them, hey, listen. This is what it's about, the family values, the core family, you know, family values, the morals, all that stuff, the principles behind all of that. If they argue with you and basically try to push you away and tell you, no, it's about this, 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 they're a lost cause. Yeah, and ideally that's someone I wouldn't want to be with, right? So but then those same people call us a lost cause. So let's, yeah. let's come to a table. The only way to solve all of this is conversation. It is, it is. That's what's missing is conversation. But try to get one of them to come sit down. People's well, there's your problem right there. If the, yeah. if, the, if the opposing person doesn't want to converse with you and says everything you say is wrong, there's nothing to it's, it's more of You know what it's like? It's like Steven Crowder, man. Steven Crowder will sit there and say, change my mind. He'll bring up a topic. He'll say... Ask good questions. Here's, here's what it is. Change my mind. And if you could change his mind, he'll take your word for yeah. it. But if, yeah. you can't, if you can't change his mind, then you're a lost cause. People's communication skills nowadays because of social media and other things. And, and like I said, well, I... I I'm not bashing social media. I love social media if it's used the right way. And there is a good and bad and everything, just like how it was. But, um, you know, people's communication skills in general are, are terrible. And sometimes they'll have an opinion on something and they just don't want people to, to give in any type of counter-argument because, number one, they don't know how to counter-argue back. Number two, they just think they're so correct that that's just how it is. So, like, a lot of these topics, like, when we talk about it and people are going to think, oh, you're left-wing, right-wing. No, there's two wings. They both come out of the same, you know, thing. It's more or less, like you mentioned, Morals, morals principles values it's, it's for me it's common sense it's tr- it's in Respect. a sense traditionalism you know like the idea of that is being killed right now culture and is being killed fortunate it is it culture is. is being killed uh remember i sent i sent that video i was like i was oh, we were gonna bring it up that honda commercial mm-hmm. did you guys watch it yeah did you see the last the thing last that he portion? dodged there's a honda commercial that just came out it's for that new honda hr CRV, 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 whatever it is I was watching that commercial on TV and it was a it was a guy and a girl sitting down in the car and they're driving and they were driving in that Honda and there was like little bubbles popping up and there was like messages a, the messages yeah. and there was like money and this and that adventure and adventure and they're like driving through the bubbles like hitting the bubbles isn't like that's what we want that's what the last bubble was marriage get married get married and they skipped they marriage. dodged it yeah. and they went and they looked at each other and they oh, started I laughing. No, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, I looked at that commercial and I was just like, holy shit. Right, right. And they're, they're, they dodged it and they're laughing about it as in like kids that are watching that, younger kids, 17, like, 18, do 19, 20, 21 year old kids, they relate to them because they're like, oh, look, they're having so much fun. They're driving around in the car and they're in the city and oh, look, look, look what they dodged. And then they'll laugh about it just like them. Bro, there are these messages in these commercials being like literally put in front of us and people are being completely oblivious to it. They're yeah. not even realizing what's right in front of us. It's, yeah, it's like, sad, man. It's like, you know how people say that every 
they just know how to send subtle messages that they know will kind of engrave itself in someone's head and someone who is vulnerable and is like, Oh, just trying to learn or just seeing things that easily influenced there. They get right onto it's the ropes. The younger generation, they're going after our kids. They're going after the younger generation yep. because they're the easiest one to manipulate. Yep. I mean, Hitler has a cope. So if you want to control something, you start with the youth. Yeah. Well, that's how he did it. And I'm not, uh, I'm not saying I'm a fan of Hitler, but like I've studied Hitler and, and the way he he did his branding and all this kinds of stuff because it's important and it's actually taught at Harvard. It's taught at some schools that they do that because it's like, wait, how do you get a collective group of people to listen to you by doing one thing? You know, and you looked at his presence, he looked at the way he gave speeches and all that kinds of stuff. He was able to have so many people gravitate towards yeah. him off such an awful cause in that sense. Like you want to learn about those things like of that. Course. And now they're doing the counter opposite of and doing that. If you kids. don't want history to repeat itself, learn about it. Learn yeah. about what happened. A lot of these people are basically throwing history out the door as in like, oh, yeah, yeah, we don't want to talk about that. It, that, that was bad. No, you freaking talk about it because... Yep. But guys, it, their point is something completely different. They're saying that history is what's, what was passed on to us. It shouldn't be reality. That's what their argument like, is. Now, I'm not what's saying... What's an example of that? The fact that we think there's two genders, they think someone told us, well, you're either a male or a woman. Okay, right? so, so then we can question everything. Yeah, that's exactly what's, what's what to, the liberal say, side of things is today. Who decided one plus one is two? That's exactly their fight towards us, guys. Okay, so, so we need to come yeah, to a common ground. They make everything into a broader spectrum. It's like, yes. what's art now, right? Yes. You saw a picture of someone's glove fell out of someone's pocket at the moment a couple years ago, and everyone thought it was art. I look at that and I'm just like everything is oh. opens up like oh everything. You've seen that thirty million dollar painting, the blank one. No, bro, it's yellow and blue, two oh. lines. I swear. Oh yeah, no, I, uh, I it. that's art. Yellow it's, and blue uh, sounds like go, Ukraine. Goes to me, back to what he this said. is way before Ukraine was even on the, In the mar- conversation. On the, on the conversation. <laughs> you know? It goes back to what he said. It's a killing. It's a slowly dying down of culture in a sense. You know, um, and. It's making everything very confusing for everyone. <laughs> everyone, absolutely. Yeah, Going pe- back to the pe- point. people are afraid of cancel culture. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's afraid of speaking up about it. They don't understand that it's a very small group of people making a lot of noise, and you're just afraid of that small group shutting you down. Speak up. Don't be afraid. Yeah, I, that's how it should be, and that should be the new wave, uh, in my opinion. And then going back to your thing, like you know, the masculinity is a conversation we hear a lot, and that's just something that triggers me like crazy. Uh, Joe Rogan just the other day said a uh, good quote. He said, you know, everyone's hating on masculinity for some reason. I don't even know what the hell that means. In a sense, why are you hating on something that's so important? He's like, you guys realize if it wasn't for masculinity, if it wasn't for these masculine people, he's like, we all be speaking German right now. <laughs> so, like, oh, yeah. He said that the other day. You know, well, like Not only that, go to downtown L.A. and look at all these high-rises being built. Mm-hmm. Who's building them? Chinese? No, man. Oh, the transgender <laughs> community. The men, dude, you see a bunch of men. Like, you see a bunch of men building it. Oh look yeah, at, yeah, look like at that. Look sense. at all these yeah. construction workers. Look at go look at public works, man. All these roads that are being built. All these guys in sewers. All these guys basically, you know, getting their hands dirty. Mm-hmm. It's all men. It's all men doing it. Now I'm not saying that women can't do it. Of course they can. Will they do it? I'd lo- I'd love to see it. I'm not going to hate on it. I'm not yeah. going to say why is the woman doing construction? I mean, of course look, not. Look look at a mechanic's position. I mean, majority men, right? But then today you have some women that are doing much better than you would expect in that yeah. field. And is there many of them? Not really. And the, the issue with it is these governing organizations that like start try to promote toxic masculinity, what they try to do is in reality is they try to engage in the battle of the sexes. So 
is there toxic masculinity? Yeah. I, I say that people who are not very confident in themselves are fake alphas and they're like all this kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe. And they're but usually behind the screen. They're never out in public. Never. And in the, the importance of masculinity is for society is maybe one of the most important things in this world. Without it, I don't think we're going to be able to sustain our society any longer, in my opinion. But the problem with these organizations, what they do is they contribute masculinity and they say, oh, it's, see, it's always against women and whatnot. That's not the case. There is nothing of true masculinity and true chivalry that is against women. In fact, it's the exact opposite. Um, but they Everything wanna, men they, do is for women. Yeah. <laughs> they want to brainwash people into thinking that, oh, it's men versus women. And that's one of, the, you know, you look, read in Marx's uh, post, and like, it's one of the reasons that, that they say, oh, this is how you, know, you control people, by Divide and conquer a battle, uh, a battle of the sexes. You know, have women hate men, have men not understand why women are hating men and all this kind of stuff. Bro, this, it's and a, it sucks because I see it from the outside and I see that it's working. And everyone that mentions it, for me, it's like an instant block. Someone says, like, well, talk to me about this masculinity. Why is it so bad? Like, what, what I mean, like, why does it suck so much? I'm like, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, man, I don't know. That's, it, that's something that gets me triggered. Like, 100%. It's, it, it's, not only, it's not only men versus women. It's men versus women. It's It's... Uh, rich versus poor. It's yep. liberals These versus are Democrats. All categories that are made to keep us busy, guys. Yeah, and it's a distraction. The main reason it's a distraction to keep us all busy and not look at what's important. Yeah, and I it, mean, if you and I had pictures on the interweb of what Hunter was doing yesterday, we wouldn't be sitting here today. How fast it's Yet he was right? sitting at the White House today, <laughs> yeah. bro. I it's wish. Amazing. Could you could you imagine? Could you imagine if Donald Trump Jr. Had done any of those videos, <laughs> or like one of them? Weighing crack. Cocaine. Just, just one. One, w- <laughs> whether he was snorting crack off of one of the prostitutes' asses, or w- whether he was basically <laughs> running naked on uh, the beach with basically a uh, what was it? What was a veteran's jacket on? Reagan. <laughs> yeah, Reagan. Yeah, Reagan. Ronald Reagan jacket on, or whatever it was. I, I, I just want to know how, how badly. CNN, MSNBC would be on that. Would be on that case, bro. They can't, bro. I think the media outlets have been on a hiatus for a total of four years. I feel like they were given contracts. You work hard while Trump is in power. You bring them down, and then you have four years of vacation. You're still getting paid. They don't (laughs) work. There's there is no investigative journalism. None. Yeah, like we were saying in the beginning, journalism is. They had investigative journalism. Well, Biden. at least they made it during Trump's time. They it was would not make investigative. Journalism. It was just yeah. biased. It was Adam Schiff making bullshit out of fake, his ass. Fake media. To get Armenian votes. <laughs> and he's still oh, doing man. it. Yeah, he's still doing it. He's still doing uh, it. Politics and in a sense. All these Armenians that are voting for that moron. I'm sorry, you're doing it to yourself. Ooh, which moron? Well, there's a Schiff. bunch of them, but Adam yeah, Schiff. Oh, Adam Schiff. Schiff has been abusing the Armenian community, and we just won't wake up. They're oblivious to it. They don't want to believe it. Unbelievable. It's the easy way out. It's Pop sad. Out. It's sad, bro. It's sad. He was out in Tahunga on a nice uh, parade, too. Which parade? Sunland <coughs> Tahunga parade. <laughs> oh, your district, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. You have a bigger issue right now on your hands. I know, man. I got You have a gotta, much bigger, a bigger issue. issue but we'll see what happens with that one. It, it's funny how after everything that we're experiencing from cost of living to... Just it, it just seems like everything is falling apart. Yet, <laughs> yet these. Oh, how God, many no. people do you know that let's say supported a Biden are now like, e- even though 
the other day I was reading a million Democrats have supposedly switched to Republican Party. Oh, switch, really? How true so that there's is. There's still 80 million yeah. of them. <laughs> <laughs> but how many people do you personally know that after all this have said, you know what, Art? Uh, I think you were right, man. Or not even you were right. I think I see the point you were making. Mm-hmm. Or I think the impression I had was maybe not what I thought to be true or whatever the case is. Honestly, those people, um, first, I tried not to get into politics a lot unless it's things that really aggravate me, like the masculinity stuff and all that kind of stuff. But if we do, uh, all the people that were like, oh, man, you should have voted for Biden. You should have voted for this and that. All of those people right now, including some of my family members, are very quiet. They're not talking about anything. You bring up politics. They were the first ones back in the day that were like, let's talk about politics. Let's put on, you know, this and watch what's going on with MSNBC and all that kind of oh, stuff. Yeah. Nowadays, they're like, no, no, bro, just put on that YouTube video. It was a funny video that I watched yeah, the other let's, day. Let's watch. They just want to ignore it. And I mean, that's just, you know, that's culture but nowadays. Then you guys it's, haven't it's, gone to that level? Like, last nine months to a year, people send me anything political. I just don't care anymore. No, no. I, 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 I to be honest, interest. man, I never, I honestly, I, I mean, this sounds funny probably. I never cared about politics in general. Um, I was always the person that said, hey, you know, my state politics, my state rules and all that kind of stuff, regulations really matter to me more so than, you know, like, let's say how much we're getting taxed, right? Like in California, for example. Until when? Uh, as, I got, as I got a little bit older and it started... When you started paying taxes. When I, MAGA time. When I started MAGA? No, no, no. As soon no. as you start paying taxes... You know, you know why this podcast started, right? It, the three of us didn't really give a shit about politics just like you. Yeah. Bro, when, when when everything shifted from left to right and became Republican and Trump started getting a lot of bashing from the media and these, you know, left-wing Democrats were trying to bring him down, bring him down, that's how this all started. Yeah. We're going on four years this year. And Congrats. so we've seen Thanks, awesome. man. Thank so, you. So, you know, we've seen we've seen two years of Trump together and we've seen two years of Biden. Guarantee you this much. The two one? years with Trump were much, much better. better than the two years with Biden. Speak for yourself. Okay, can you, can, you con- <laughs> can you convince that to somebody like a John? Bro, th- Have a th- you gotten John to admit the fact that... Off the air, I guarantee you he'll say something different. On the air, they're not going to say it. They're not going to say it in okay, the public ask, John, switch your username. We're going to ask you a simple question. <laughs> okay. Were you better off at the gas pump today <laughs> or two and a half years ago? I know John's answer. He's going to say, I didn't pump gas today. He's going to say, I drove a Tesla. You know, right? that's yes, his I don't answer, even know right? Him, exactly. Does he drive a Tesla? Was that right? That's no, exactly he doesn't, he doesn't his answer. Drive a no, Tesla. he can't drive a Tesla because he doesn't like Elon Musk either. <laughs> He'll probably say, I rode a bike. No, <laughs> his response is going to be, I'd rather pay $200 to fill up my car than to have to deal with mean tweets or to have to deal with the divide, which, you know. I had a client during, I was helping him buy a property right during the elections. And I asked him, I said, who are you voting for? He goes, I'm voting for Biden. I said, why are you voting for Biden? He goes, I've been trying to get my parents here from Iran for like three years and the Trump administration has screwed everything up and they're not right. allowing my parents to come to America. I was like, bro, I guarantee if you if Biden gets into office, you're never going to see your parents. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see your parents. I guarantee you. No, 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 no. His uh, immigration laws are much, much, much more lenient than uh, Trump's are. I spoke to him about two weeks ago. I said, hey, uh, so how's everything going? He goes, literally, he goes, I wish I voted for Trump. He goes, I wish I voted for <laughs> okay, Trump. He can't get his parents. Read what John said. Like, can you, can you seriously, like, 
you can't fix stupid. I mean, this is just yeah. <laughs> what the two and a half years ago I wasn't at the pump because Trump broke our economy. Trump caused the thing pandemic. Remember? Oh, is that what he's talking about? I, no, but no, just broke our just in general economy. Because in, 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 in Trump <laughs> started the virus. <laughs> well, it's say three and a half years ago. Why and two and a half years ago was when they'll blame it on the pandemic. And if you say four and a half years ago, you know what yeah, they're going to say? Four and a half years ago. They're going to say, oh, he was handed Obama's economy. You See, can't. Hovig says it's not a U.S. problem. You're, you're absolutely right. It's not a U.S. problem. Biden is begging Saudi Arabia to send us barrels of oil. And they showed in the middle of the we While we sent five million barrels yeah. China. to China. Hey, and, and by the way, everybody go research what's happening to Russia's ruble compared to the U.S. dollar. It's, Go research it. It's going up, right? Going oh, up, yeah. Right? 12%. It's ridiculous, bro. I mean... Uh, but it's Russia's fault. Fuck it. See that? <laughs> Putin did it. Dude, we have, we have enough reserves to supply the world for the next 2 million years yet. We're paying $19 a gallon to fill it. I just want to know why the Alaskan pipelines were shut down. You guys... Yeah. We're I have a small this. car. The amount that I had to pay the other day was insane. Bro, I'm, I'm filling up 160 bucks a tank now. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Germany, Hovig, Germany doesn't have their own oil, so. Who said that? Hovig? Yeah. yeah, and Germany gets I'm, their hey, I'm oil. Hey, I'm sorry. There, there's a nice video of NATO. Basically, Germany, France, uh, who else was it? Belgium, doing a deal with Russia. Trump to, told them. And, and literally bringing in pipelines from Russia into their country for oil and gas. And that's the time Trump told them, don't do this. It's going to come back to bite well, you in the ass. He, he, well, he said, well, he said well, we're paying for your defense, but you're basically turning around and shaking hands with the enemy. Yeah. So, I mean, this is on video. This is happen, literally right? on video. Oh, but for, forget, forget let's, let's say, forget about Trump. I mean, once you hate Trump, you just, that's fine. Never go back, I, huh? yeah, That's fine. I mean, a lot of 81 million people voted against Trump, right? Supposedly. You're telling me Joe Biden got 81 million votes? No, CNN is telling us that, not <laughs> not me. Don't I'm not. CNN said that I should believe it then. If you ask me, so I, let's go to the problem itself. Isn't the voting block the problem? I'm. Yeah. Look, <laughs> if if Joe Biden got 81 million votes, <laughs> we need to check where these votes are coming from, bro. Ah, okay. 10, okay, let's say people. let's say he got 120 million votes. Fine, forget about the past. Let's say all the statistics were incorrect. Trump's economy was the worst it's ever been, worse than the Great Depression ever. Let's just talk about today. When you go to the grocery store today, when you do anything today, how much more are you paying, and what are you paying for? And and when is the last time you ever? Until this administration took over, when was the last? You were born here, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when is the last time in the U.S. you've ever gone into a store, regardless of what store it is, and couldn't find an item that's typically there? Yeah, like I'm talking about, you know, necessary items. I'm not talking about some special, unique order. Item. I'm talking about cream cheese or butter or milk or like necessities. You know, necessities. Something I, that's basically stacked in the India aisles or on the shelves normally. Have you ever until the last Recently? two years? No, me personally, no. I never have. Yeah. 
and and yet you you were living through this but then you've got people who've been following politics for the last 90 years like John said well you know 1967 190 I don't give a shit what happened in 1967 today let's discuss today what is happening today I mean everything wide is, range inflation yeah it this is not even inflation brother it's like this is beyond people cannot afford I mean sometimes just look at the gas station when you're pumping look at some of the other stalls the other uh units see some of these guys are pumping like 27 30 i mean how many cars today you think you can fill up with 32 go cars? to every time you go to the gas station i swear you're right you're absolutely right and when you pull up to the pump look at look how at much the, the last person yeah. pumped into their gas tank mm-hmm. i've noticed it recently it's always it's always a round number and it's people basically paying cash for gas and it's always 40 bucks 50 bucks 40 dollars 60 dollars and and then there's my dumb ass basically putting my credit card in there and you have to go two times and then watch it watch it go three times yeah and then watch it 120 dollars switch yeah literally now you can drive to pasadena in order to solve this they want to push us towards electric cars we start electric cars let's say two years from now everyone's shifting to electric cars the grid can't handle it correct you're I don't think so. so. Your electrical bill is not going to handle it. it. Now, yeah. the same grid we're talking about is primarily in America about 90% run by coal and oil anyways. So we're still using those natural resources. To solve that issue, you need to build nuclear plants more and more. And it's the cleanest and the safest way to get electricity. The nuclear plants? Yes, definitely. Much safer. I mean, look, what, when I say nuclear plants, everyone's like weirded out that it's going to blow up and the 100-mile radius is going to get Uranium. blown into pieces. I mean, look at what happened to Japan. Every time they talk about it, they act like 100 people died from it. No. As a matter of fact, zero people died from that. Yeah. I mean, they did advertise someone had lung cancer, but that was, that could, anybody can get lung cancer. Yeah. I mean, look, <laughs> I hate to bring it up again, but Trump said it. When he was in office, he said, listen, if Biden takes office, gas prices are going to go up, we're going to have wars, inflation is going to skyrocket. The suburbs are going to go to hell. Like, everything that he said, is, we're experiencing it. And and to say, well, you know, it's not, it's, 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 we're delusional, you know, the economy is doing fantastic. You you seriously have to be a special type of stupid to think that. Honestly, I'm not trying to be insulting to anybody, but you really have to be a special type of stupid to continue to. It's okay to say, you know what, guy was wrong. He he's not doing what we expected. End quote. <laughs> Repeat line. Repeat line. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean. Poor, poor I, I, I would love, I would love to have this conversation with Hovik. Please, if you would contact me, if you think our grid is ready for everyone to have an electric no, car man. today, you're out of your mind, bro. Glendale's grid's not ready. They admitted it already. They said the grid's not ready for it. And then he says, if we sacrifice the state of Wyoming, would you sacrifice your home? Why sacrifice? Oh, let's. What do he say? Let's build poor Wyoming. 
The solar panels in, in the Wyoming. The Wyoming. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Why don't you take your home and make it into a solar? solar Hold on, I, I wonder how those more dangerous. By the way, that's <laughs> solar panels are much more dangerous than the nuclear power. I'm yeah. just curious how those solar panels will work during those the winter. Solar time. panels <laughs> kill more birds in that area than anything else, bro. Where? Like in so, general? Have you seen oh, those solar parks where they have like the whole p- side of the mountain yeah. going down to Vegas? Or? No, 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 solar, no, solar, panels. solar panels. Look at how many dead birds the re- there the are. Reflection. There. The reflection. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, okay. It's, um, it's crazy. And these, I'm not going to call names, but these smart people who've gotten an education, yeah. which has caused you to be that stupid, the indoctrination is what <laughs> the problem is. Absolutely. Unbelievable. I, I, I really don't know what it's going to take. I mean, if look at Sri Lanka, <laughs> you're looking at Sri Lanka. These guys have the people have stood up. They've walked into the you palace. You saw the video, right? Running into the palace. Yeah, they're swimming in the pool. <laughs> the palace. I mean, I think the entire country's there. Right. <laughs> like, is what is it going to take for us to do that? Where we we just stand up and say, okay, enough is enough. I'm not gonna. Dude, I'm I'm telling you, my my truck. I fill it up. It's 190 dollars. Use your Vespa, bro. Okay, it's like the problem is they have us so occupied with living, living. That one. In order to survive, you have to go to work, pay your bills. That nobody's like, shit. If I take time off of work, what am I gonna do for yeah. this? That's what you're it right. is. Yeah, but if you're one paycheck away from losing your home, that's a different. But not everybody is one paycheck away. That's forty plus percent of the U.S. population. Then forty percent should be. That's literally, a huge number. They should yeah. literally be <laughs> in Washington right now. Hey, yeah, sometimes are you in Sri Lanka's case, sometimes though? violence is the right answer. There's a book on that. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily violently, <laughs> but you know, softly, softly. <laughs> I mean, Levick says, Levick <laughs> yeah. says, Lake Mead is at historic lows, and Hoover Dam could be at Deadpool in five years. Hoover Dam supplies power to eight, uh, seven states, oh, yeah. forty million people. Isn't Vegas powered by Hoover Dam? It should be. Like, the, uh, like yeah. the entire Vegas is powered by Hoover Dam. California, That's what I heard. Bro, California gets a lot of energy. No, no, no. I know Hoover it does. But I, but I heard like majority, like I heard like Vegas is literally powered by yeah, Hoover, Hoover Dam. Dam. Just Probably. possible. That's an amazing thing to see, man. If you I haven't, haven't seen been it, there, bro, I heard it's beautiful. Oh, you should definitely Hoover Dam? see that. Oh, man. I was a kid when I went there, but I don't remember. <laughs> see, Jess, Jess says, be wise. Trump knew because they all knew because it's all planned and he's part of the plan. I don't know who Jess is, but I... I agree with that. Yeah. It's like a simulation almost. So, so I, I don't think there's elections. I think everything's selection when it comes to president. That's been the case. Was Trump selected? Yes, 100%. No, I don't think so. tr- I think I think there's a video that I recently saw. There was a mobster from New York talking about how Trump became a sick builder, right? And the mobsters wanted to get their piece. Chunk little piece of the pie, you know? Mm-hmm. But they didn't get anything from Trump because Trump was surrounded by FBI agents at all time back then. He was hiring them, supposedly, but I don't know who was hiring who at that moment. But that's the reason the mob couldn't touch him back then. Or it was private security. I, I've never heard of that. I haven't heard of either. It's the first time I'm hearing such a story. Yeah, definitely. I mean, nothing happens for no reason in this world. Look at the Japanese ex Prime, Prime Minister. That's sad. Nothing happens for no reason. He was well, big do, on anti-globalism. Look at oh, what yeah. the guy did. He returned a shit ton of Moderna back to them for having poison in it. Mm-hmm. And he was killed by one of the countries <laughs> with the strictest gun laws. By a handmaid. 
Yeah, oh, handmade man. weapon or something like that, yeah. Which I don't believe in majority of that stuff. I I just don't. I stop believing majority of everything. If the yeah. government tells me something, I believe the opposite. That's <laughs> honestly one of the reasons why <laughs> I don't even watch they tell Edgar, nowadays. They tell Edgar, listen, this yogurt is white. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. If you said it, it's black. <laughs> yeah, but at that point, where do you draw the line, right? Yeah. You can question everything. You can question Newsom was placed in California. You can question Glendale city council people that recently one were placed in Glen. I mean, you could question everything. You're not really questioning much. You're talking reality. But can you prove it is the question today. Well, can you? I mean, so, you so can then prove what the is, fact that Glendale gave up its own elections. You can prove that. You can even prove the name of the man that gave up its elections. You can prove that too. But can you prove so, the results of this recent election? You okay, so then what, what do you trust at the end of the day? You Nothing. Don't. You guys don't trust you anything don't. at the end of the day. If the government's telling you, you gotta question it twice again. Forget about government. I mean, then what do you trust? Because you can't trust media. You can't trust government. You have to be able to do your own research on everything. That's it. Yeah. But where are, are you doing the research? Duck, your, duck, research duck, duck, is, your research is pretty much. You have to be able duck, to duck, read duck, both great. sides. Every topic you talk about today, you're going to read the right side to it and the left side to it. Yeah, you're going to see both sides You need to be able to find yourself in the middle there. That's the way I look at it. I agree. You're going to get... People argue anything. For example, like gun control is a big argument, right? People posting very biased things on one side. People posting, you know... And both have good points and bad points, right? Yeah, yeah. So you have to kind of just... You have to make your mind up eventually on one thing or the other, you know, and kind of go with that. I mean, that's the best way to go. I mean, the argument about this whole gun control thing is, yeah, yes, we need stricter gun laws mm-hmm. as far as thorough background checks, making sure there's evaluations done on whoever is purchasing the gun. I even think they should maybe even bump up the, to 21. To 21. Everybody, yeah. you got to well, be 21. You know who was one of the first people to say that? Who? Uncle Trump. Well, yeah, of course. Trump said it a long time ago. He said it like when he was well, president. I think you guys have Trump like too up on a pedestal. It's I, not, no, Edgar Trump came on a pedestal. Ed. So here's the thing: Ed. he came into power. He had the power in his hand Ed. to f- drain the swamp, as he said. If you could show me one name that he put in jail, how, one. How? When? Bro, every, when his whole election campaign, it was oh, I'm gonna put Hillary in jail. Ed, what percentage? What hold on, what percentage of his four years in office? was just fighting off impeachments and this law. All four years. And then the first two years, okay. so, he was challenged by the Democrats and the Republicans. So then wh- then, how, how do you do any of that? When everybody is part of it, how, how, how do you do that? How do you drain anything? I mean... Now, like Again, like I was saying, as far as the whole gun law thing, see, Le- Levick's going to probably have an aneurysm, the fact that I'm saying this. <laughs> But uh, they need they need much more stricter gun laws. They need more thorough background checks. The problem is is that what thorough background checks? What, what when you say that, Tell what does me. that mean? Like let's say let's say you're on Prozac. Can you show me one background check that shows you? I think on Prozac? I, I think they should do literally pharmaceutical like a, background checks. Really? I think so. Really? Yeah. You so think? so okay. So if you're dealing with depression and you're on Prozac, you cannot have a gun. You cannot have no. a gun. 
You, know, you have no rights, basically. The Constitution Bro, does not apply to you. Look at the people that are doing these mass shootings. It has nothing to do with drugs. They're all, they're all, they're, they need to be on drugs. No, no, they don't need to be. They need to be on antidepressants. They need mind, to be bro. on. They need to be. On, they, just, they need to be on medications. Oh, no, but they don't. They, are you kidding me? Look just, at these mass shooters. No, medications just, are causing all this, bro. They just needed to not be. Well, exactly. What do you think I'm saying? I'm saying anybody who's on a medication should not. Did you watch the video I sent you guys about? Which one? I almost became a mass shooter. That TED talk I no, sent you no, guys. No, no, I didn't see it. I didn't watch. Sent it, it to you guys. I didn't I, see. I, it. I watched okay. the on SSRIs. Interesting. He was on meds. That guy. No, no, no. You should hear. I'll send it to you as well. You should hear this guy. He's on TED Talks, almost 15 million views, talking about how he was abused by his parents and mm-hmm. the things the mom said. This kid basically tried to kill himself at one point. The mom turns around and tells him, I don't think the blades were sharp enough. That's why you're still alive. I mean, imagine you're like 16, 17, and your mom says that to you. Yeah. The weapon you used to kill yourself wasn't strong enough. You need to do better next time. Yeah, no, I mean, when it comes to that level... These are the kids that are... It, it has nothing to... No, bro, guns are not killing people. It's the people, people that are... It's it. the bad people that are killing people. So it people. has nothing to do with laws. You cannot... I'm not... You cannot not, ban not, somebody for taking Xanax at night because they can't fall asleep and say, well, you can't own a gun and protect yourself. Night. Can you say that? These 16, 17, 18-year-old kids that grow up on these medications, and then when they turn 18, they go and buy a gun, and they're on God knows what. How did they this sh- last shooter buy a gun? Do you know? The last shooter? I don't know how they bought a gun, but the, I know the, they were... The they're- dad assisted him. Yeah. And he had threatened to kill his own family, and the cops knew about it. Nobody did anything, no did about, anything it. about it. What, what law is going to change so, that? So, okay, uh, let me ask you this. Were there any police reports on him? Yes. So... The police didn't do anything. Well, see, th- that's the problem. And they even... Which one? One of those. Man, there's been so many lately. One of those, even the sheriffs had had him uh, in their sight. They could have shot him with the rifle. They didn't. You know why? Because he didn't have his commander's permission to shoot. That's bullshit. He should have shot him. Same yeah. thing at that uh, Uvalde at, in Texas. Uvalde. Uvalde. These guys were hanging around for, what was it, 14 minutes or something like you that? You go in and you take them out. An hour. 14 oh minutes. It was 54 maybe? Or, yeah, yeah, it was like an it hour was, almost. Or hour it was an hour long, yeah. I mean, they didn't even try to see if the door was open. Even if it's closed, you can't shoot the damn door open. You don't have a shot. You don't have anything. Or break it open. What are you anyway. talking? I mean, they need they need a they needed a SWAT team to bust the door open. Go in there and take them out. You don't need a SWAT team. For I'm just one saying. Drive the saying. fucking truck into it. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. SWAT team. So how was that one parent who was not even a city police? He was a uh, what do they call those guys? Border patrol agent. Able to picked get up a, a gun from the barber shop that he was getting yeah. a haircut and went in there and saved his again, own kids. Yeah. Again, my 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 <coughs> argument is this. My argument is it's not guns that are killing people. It's the it's the bad people that Nobody's own the guns. Nobody's disagreeing with that, but it's just more I, laws I, is not the end. There's already twenty eight thousand laws in no, the I, books. I, I, just here's for guns. the thing: there, there needs to, California has the most strictest gun laws, right? How many mass shootings have there been in California? I don't know the number. But, I mean, in Vegas, there was a mass shooting with... Which one? The one from the casino? From the casino. <laughs> Did you ever hear anything past that? Of course I didn't. <laughs> but at the end of the she day... Disappeared. But at the end of the day, there was a guy with a gun who basically killed a bunch of people. Are you sure it was a guy? Bro, that, that was like... Um, 
beyond the military operation. <laughs> 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 like you can't just okay. Go to let's go to Uvalde then. Where are we going, Uvalde? Well, let, let's hear the, Arthur's input because he teaches the youth as far as self-defense upbringing and. I mean, what do you think so, is going on with this? So story? everything that you guys mentioned with gun control, that's what it is as 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 a whole. It's a very complex issue. So you mentioned like there's thousands of rules already for, for gun laws and whatnot, and there are. The, the thing is, a lot of the countries that have the strictest gun laws have psychological interviews and mental interviews and stuff like that. Well, now, who knows how it's really done, right? Like, is it actually followed to a T? Who's the person behind it? Who's managing it? Who who's knows? interviewing? It's very, very who's hard. signing off? I mean... It's 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 tough. So, do I think that certain things, like like you mentioned, should be in, in, you know included and whatnot? Yeah, you can. You can definitely change it. Maybe there, you know, maybe the age should be twenty one. Maybe there should be some sort of psychological questioning and whatnot. Uh, maybe you need to consider on what drugs that person is on or whatnot. Like if you know if they're known to have you know maybe you you do family history and family. One of their friends says, yeah, this guy's known to do recreationally do cocaine or something like that. Do you want to give? A gun to that person. It's such a complex. Okay, issue. where do you, you could... draw the line, though? This guy likes to recreationally drink, mm-hmm. and then oh well, how many shots do you have? For that's it? the thing. Yeah, it's so it's so hard where, to do. Where do you draw the line? And, it's, and that's it's, why we haven't seen tough. many changes. It's tough, itself. man. Yeah. It's, it's tough. not. It's not tough up it. We had the same percentage of gun owners 60, 50 years ago. Zero mass shootings. Be- why? Because the culture was different. There was respect. Yeah. There was respect for authority, for parents, for family. Well, yeah. Remember, I said it last week as well. I said. The culture being, the the culture is changing to the point where they're breeding these mass shooters. Yeah. They're breeding these psychologically damaged kids to the point where it's like you can be a man or you could be a woman tomorrow. You could be a pony the next day where these kids are like, what the hell is going on? And they become psychologically screwed so bad where they go, you know what? Screw everybody. I'm going to go in and I'm going to kill everybody. That, that's yeah. what happens. Yeah. They're to breeding your, those people. To the point on Tech Talk, like you said, like, it's their upbringing too. It's their physical environment, how the parents are dealing with them, the lack of parents. You know, like you know, there's. I saw a stat the other day that it said eighty percent of people in prison are were fatherless. Oh yeah. People don't talk about that, but yet there's toxic masculinity and there's all these. But issues the system with, uh, pushes for single family homes. I know. Yeah. The system so, pushes women to divorce the man that gave you the kid, rely on the government. Yeah, let the government help you do all that stuff. Yeah. No, 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 no. But yeah, so in terms it's of guns, it's the easy that's, way that's out. I mean, someone argued with me uh, when the mass shooting happened. Someone argued with me that mental um, wellness and mental illness has nothing to do with mass shooting. Bullshit. And this is someone that's very close to, like, not me, tell but like go, our family. You, you literally tell them, go look at the Uvalde shooter. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. And I, I mean, look at, and you know what I did the other day? I sent a picture of the guy who did the most recent shooting in, 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 in Illinois. I'm like, does this guy look stable? Let's be honest here. Let's not. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but you look at this guy's two, three pictures of this guy, and you could tell he's mentally unstable and obviously he had other issues. Um, in, in the case of Uvalde Shooter, he had a bunch of his upbringing. He, he, there's all these stories of what like his dad was doing, his, his mom was doing, a bunch of drugs and all kinds of stuff. You know, like yeah, These like are Brown. all playing into a role. And look, one well, of the reasons... And these people were able to afford those weapons? Uh, like the Daniel defense weapons are expensive. <laughs> I've been trying to get one of those, and my parents have been together for 50-something years. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, no, come it's, on, man. You're it's, with it's the wrong crazy. parents. <laughs> so it, because of the complexity of the issue itself... That's why we haven't seen many. You go try to it. get that weapon. You're on a list Daniel for defense? a year, bro. Yeah, In Cali, yeah. Yeah. Leave that's California. True. That's true. But I mean, looking at let's say your students, not just at USC but at the gym, do you see kids that seem 
troubled because of a broken family or something and you're like okay this kid's got anger issues or you see them trying to um take out their uh, anger anger their personal issues at the gym or in class or are you kind of able to see that through them or yeah i mean it, when you're around that many kids you can kind of tell who's um it's actually quite easy to tell who's gone through a difficult transition as a child or maybe didn't have a great childhood um and you could at times you could see a little bit of anger into the thing this one so, sometimes there are kids who are brought to the gym for that reason it's, it's sometimes it's a big spectrum of it right there's kids who are, can't control their anger they're bullying people they're they're not great students at, at school or whatever and then there's the other side of the spectrum who is a kid who just comes in and their shoulders are just intact and they, they, they can't even look at your face when they talk to you yeah so we see both sides of it um and uh you know i mean our we we treat it the same way for the kid that's being bullied they have to learn how to protect themselves be more confident for the kid that is the bully they need to you know learn discipline. The, the discipline the manners uh, and 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 have some um like morality in them like hey this is what's wrong this is what's bad if i have anger i should take it out on something else and um for the most part we you know almost 100 percent of the time they're fixed but yeah you could easily tell uh and at least for me that's something i do very well um i could kind of read i'm not saying i'm not, not on a spiritual level but like I could see a kid when I talk to the kid. I, I could have an idea of what's going on there, um, in their house. Um, I could tell. That it's a problem. Going back to his point, it's a huge problem. There's so many single moms right now bringing their kids into the gym, and all of them have the same issue. All the kids have the same issue. Lack of they're distracted, lack of discipline. They don't listen. They're no doing poorly figure. at school. No father figure. They and the moms are like pleading. It's like, hey, like I work. All day, this kid's at home on his computer There's playing video games all day. To it, like today, even the let's say the child has both parents at home, mm-hmm. but the dad's role has diminished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even if he's present, his role doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because there are things that fathers do for for kids that it's very difficult for moms to do. Um, it's, and there's things that moms do for kids that it's hard for emotionally level for fathers to do, but. When uh, I'll put it this way, so the same statistic that I was reading said 80% of ki- uh, of people in prison are fatherless. It also covered different spectrums of what happens if a father is given the rights to com- have a kid and like control it after a divorce, and what happens to the kid, and then what happens to when it's a single mom. And it was very very vast, and I could share the s- source with you guys. I don't ha- I don't know it by heart, but. It was different. Like a lot of the kids who are just with fathers actually ended up doing better than the moms. Yeah, and it's I not to that. you know it's, yeah. it's it's crazy. So and a lot of people think that when they see it on the outside, they think it's the opposite. You know, and um, and I think that that article also covered something about the kids' eating habits with mm-hmm. with separated parents, where the moms like, why is it that when you know our son is at our house, mm-hmm. my house, he only wants to eat um, grilled cheese or, or I don't know, like junk food, junk food, yeah. But then he goes to dad's house, he eats vegetables and he, eats, <laughs> you know. he has his meats and vegetables. <laughs> there, there, there's obviously a difference, the roles they play. Now, you mix up all those roles and you've got the society we're living in today. But, but yeah, both roles are It's important. the breakup of the family, yeah. it's the breakup of tradition, and it's the breakup of the nuclear family. See, the, the problem is this as well. When, when breakups happen, and I get it, you know, there's times where husband and wife don't get along or they grow apart from each other or, you know, things just don't work out the way they are. When a breakup takes place, 
have it be a healthy breakup. I get it. Mm. You guys don't like each other or you just don't get along or That's it's rare, just unhealthy. Bro. I know, I know, I know. But for the sake of the kid, be civil with each other. Don't put down your hus- ex-husband and don't put down your ex-wife. Be the mom and dad the kid deserve. Basically, be tell you know, oh, you're going to be with your dad today. Don't be like, oh, you're your you're piece of shit of a father is going to pick you up today. Or <laughs> don't do not do stuff like that. Because it happens, <laughs> man. Yeah, yeah. Huh. <laughs> See, it, it happens, man. It happens. And it, it, it's just sad. Now, again, there is a small percentage of toxic people where yeah. mother and father are both disgusting. And it's unfortunate that that kid's fate is in the wrong hands. Yeah, absolutely. We get we get some of those kids too. And yeah, I'm just like, it's it's just unfortunate. Uh, where it's it's better for shit, man. Me to adopt that kid or uh, Joe Schmo down the street who's trying to have kids who can't have kids to adopt that kid. It's it, it is what it is. But it's a very small percentage. But if there is some sort of divorce or breakup, just make it as civil as possible, just for the kid's sake. Yeah. You guys are gonna fight. Don't fight in front of the kids. Don't be abusive, whether it's physically or. Yeah, divorce, Verbally. I mean, the biggest loser in any divorce is the, the kids. kids. If there's Absolutely. kids present, I mean, the the woman's going to go find another one to <laughs> lay down with. And the same thing with the dad. You know, this kid, especially in their teenage years, that does leave effects on that child. It affects child, them bro. mentally tremendously, man. It's it's crazy. <laughs> I think, one of the I biggest think... things that affects kids is uh, childhood. Not only that, but also growing up into adulthood. Yeah. And then it affects the kids. Not only relationships, but in general, their personality, their social aspects of it, and their development in general. It's crazy. Um, and it, it falls into a bigger picture than just divorce. It's just parent two, you could have two parents and be completely screwed up in the head still based off of your upbringing, you know? Um, and we get kids like that, and I try to take them under a wing as much as I can um, to play that father, not father role. I, I don't call that. I call it more of a role model, uh, an older brother. Yeah. Um, uh, more of like a kind of a someone who has the wisdom to be able to kind of work with these kids, not only in sports. A sensei, stuff, huh? A sensei, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, like my, you know, my in my um, in my judo classes, like when I teach at my dad's gym at Haistan, um, they call me sensei. But at um, my my business, uh, the one that I run, the Development Institute, I, I just have them either call me by my name or coach because I want it to be on a more personal level. Yeah. Um, because I get into their personal levels. A lot of kids that come in, if they have issues, and we do interviews with the parents or a parent or sometimes just guardians, it's like, you know, or just sometimes it's just great, healthy parents, great family and stuff, and they're just bringing their kids because they want them to learn skills and, and learn discipline and have the right habits and all that kind of Stay stuff. Stay off the streets. We make it very personal. You know, I, I consult and I talk to the kids, whether they're 9 years old or 20 years old, like an adult, and I, I ask a lot of questions because I need to know the background of the kid, what they do every day, when they sleep, what they eat. Um, and it's important because I, if I understand the kid, I, I know my myself with – our coaches and what we do that we could change your lives so that's the whole point of it basically beautiful. In a sense. yeah so beautiful man can we uh give like an address for your gym someone's asking what's your gym yeah name? it's uh so my dad's facility it's 7229 and then atoll a-t-o-l-l uh avenue in north hollywood this is what I'll do, guys. I'll it's put called it the highest, highest MMA, MMA Academy. 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 Yeah. What I'll I, do is I've pinned it, but yeah. Oh, did you pin it? Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I pinned the name. Yeah, for name. A while okay, yeah, I I did, did, yeah. this is what I'll do. It was in a pinned state. Just it's okay. This is what we'll do, guys. Uh, when the podcast ends, what I'll do is I'll take the uh, I'll take the information with the phone number and everything, and I'll post it on the body of this. And then when it hits Spotify and iTunes and everything else tomorrow, again, it'll be on the body of the uh, the actual description. 
when you click on the link. So yeah. damn, Alex has a great idea. And then, guys. oh yeah, go ahead. <sighs> Alex said after party at El Saz on my <laughs> way. Oh my oh, god, <laughs> don't do that, Alex. Alex you're killing us, man. Uh, or yeah, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I was saying I I run my business out of my his facility too. Okay. Um, that's called the Elite Institute, and it's eliteinstitution.com. I'll give you the information. Yeah, we'll get that info so we can post so it on there. So it's basically a mix. You know, it's kind of what I was telling you guys. It's it's I I'm a history nerd, so I study a lot of ancient history, a lot of antiquity, a lot of inch, you know leaders in the past and whatnot, all the way to modern times in a sense too. And of course, my martial arts background, my educational background, I basically just blended all of it in together. And I constantly do research. I write a lot. I have a book coming out next year. Um, oh. And it's, it's for me, it's the most important thing in this world is the current generation and the new generation. So my goal is to work with these kids to go outside of the norms, especially uh-huh. the societal norms, and to track back to morals and principles and traditionalism, to understand how to be your best self, to reach your potential. And I'm not telling 16, 17-year-olds that they're going to reach their potential at that age. But I, we set up a guideline and a pathway, pathway for them to be successful. And, I, the, the, and I'm not saying this because it's, it's me and my business and whatnot, but some of the kids that we have are doing some extraordinary things and things that parents, their own parents didn't were like, how is this possible with my kid? Mm-hmm. And their lives have changed. And, um, and I think right now with everything that's going on in the world and some of the stuff that we've talked about, it all kind of just cycles together and it just makes what I'm trying to do uh, or what we're doing right now at the moment um, so important, in my opinion. And I do it in such a unique way, innovative way. I actually have parents sign NDA disclosures because I don't want the word to go around because I want it to be exclusive to whoever's doing that. And I can share some stuff of it. Um, but, you know, I just think that, you know, kids need it more than ever and parents need it more than ever. So basically my goal. Wow. You and your family are doing great things, man. Yeah, we appreciate absolutely. it. We definitely appreciate it. The, the morals, the values, the culture, everything you guys stand for, you know, we're on part with you guys. Appreciate it. Thank we, you. We, hey, dude, we thanks for thanks for taking time out of your money to be with us, man. <laughs> Anytime. Man. Did you like it? Enjoy <laughs> I, it. I love it, man. I love. It. I, I, I told you guys before. I could. I could shoot the show with anyone. <laughs> for those of you out there, please like, share, and comment. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, when that the book when, when when the book's out, we're gonna have you back. Oh, absolutely, man. Speaking absolutely. of books, my, and my brother's a big part of the book too. So, what, what is it? What is it? <laughs> Say JJ, something, Ed. JJ. He's got a book. Oh God! Okay, we'll, we'll 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 look into it. Well, we uh, gotta get JJ back now. Yeah, seriously. Hey JJ, I hope Let, you come back with the new. Let's LED just hope light, he's not please. shy when he comes back. <laughs> let's end it with a uh, quick joke. Liberals are so stupid they study for the COVID test. <laughs> there you go. Uh, guys, uh, today's podcast will be up and running on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, all major platforms. Manana. Um, Check us out on Instagram, Wise Nuts Podcast. Our daily memes are hilarious. Everybody cracks up when they watch it. Other than that, have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you guys next week. See y'all.